Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 22. Hi, friends. It's Hello, folks. time once again to answer your mail, talk about things that don't apply to specific episodes, and just generally waste everyone's time. It's true. That's why we're here, right? Well, that and to mourn our beloved DS9, which is over now. Yes, who mourns for Morn, Matt? For for the first time ever, for the first time ever, we have no movies to watch after a show is finished. I didn't think about that. That's a good yeah. point. Uh, I I mentioned this last time. I think the only like even faint hope we had for DS Nine was a TV movie, and even that was pretty distant. Yeah, that probably like I don't think that show's ratings were ever as good as they wanted them to be. Th- this one or Voyager, actually, or Enterprise, mm. which is why it got canceled. <laughs> Yeah, they finally were all like, hey, we don't have to make these go for seven seasons. Right. We can just stop them. Well, I mean, DS9 and Voyager did okay. Mm-hmm. But I, we've talked about this before. They apparently didn't do well enough to merit uh, Blu-ray, like, uh, yeah. uh, restorations and releases. I was wondering about that, because it's like, like if the show is not doing as well as you hope. So what's the plan? Oh, we'll make another show. Well, there, there's... The thing is, they make money, and I think it's, I mean, I don't know, I'm I'm speaking to, uh, partially based on stuff I knew 20 years ago, yeah. partially based on guesses, like, if someone knows for real, by all means, write in and tell us, but uh, I think it's in CBS Paramount's best interest to keep Star Trek going so people buy Star Trek stuff. I suppose that's true. That was, like, the, you know, those mid, you know, mid to late 90s were very, like... That was very, that's a lot of Trek merch going on right back then. Yeah, exactly. I actually went to some Trek cons back then, and there was a lot of, you know, the fandom was mm-hmm. pretty substantial. Like, not, you know, current Comic-Con substantial. Yeah. But pretty, pretty big. How many, uh, how many Playmates action figures that were out at the time? A million? Yeah, I, everyone who, you know, made an appearance that got a figure, and some of them had five or six, you know, alternate yep. figures, so. This is detective data. Right. And this is detective data. And this is swimming in the money bin data. <laughs> so, yeah. That's an image I'm going to enjoy for a while. Yeah, I don't know. I Oh, it's I've been I've been watching Steven Universe and there was a reference to uh Scrooge McDuck and oh. so it kind of stuck in my head. Good show by the way. Yeah, I hear that. I got to check it out. It's pretty much all women and one dude character. It's like Yeah, that hey, sounds pretty all right. Yeah, it's, it's about damn time. So that's good. Um, so before we get into the mail, were there any final DS9 thoughts? Um, I love you, DS9. You know, I mean, I do. I do. It's probably, I don't know. I don't even know if it's my favorite track anymore. The original series might actually be my favorite. Mm. The original series got out in three years is the thing. It's true. I don't know. It's The thing is, I mean, I love the original series. I, I love Next Gen, I love DS9, but they're all relics of their time. Mm -hmm. They're all, like, TV. Like, this is the thing. I've talked about this before. I'm sure we'll talk about it more 
as as we continue into the 90s like with with Voyager and then into the early 2000s with Enterprise TV before a certain point was about 50-50 like all shows just mm-hmm. about half of them sucked and that you just <laughs> you just lived with that it's I like, mean, well, what else are you going to do? Not watch television? Well, right. You got to watch L- something. Listen, listen, buddy. The Simpsons is only it's only on new once a week. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and about though, eight times every a day on weekdays. There there are certain shows like The Simpsons in its heyday, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, a couple other sitcoms here and there, a couple other dramas here and there. But for the most part, most shows were really hit and miss. And you just kind of dealt with that. Like you talk about the great genre shows of back then. But, like, mm-hmm. you are a huge X-Files fan, and I don't think you would dispute that about half of those episodes just kind of sucked. Uh, yeah. Now, I would break that down into seasons. I would say the later seasons sucked. Yeah, but on the whole. Yes. About half of it just was kind of no good. Yeah. And that's just, that was an acceptable ratio at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, because, yeah, because people didn't have an alternative. You watched what was on. And people didn't binge watch as much. Yeah. People well, didn't they couldn't, because you... Well, yeah. Like, if you were going to, like, to do that, you would have to go out and spend, like, $300 on video cassettes. Or, you know, painstakingly record the show and then go back and replay your tapes. Yes, that too. And even then, then you're still buying video cassettes. Yeah, but just blanks. They weren't that expensive. So expensive, Al. They were made of gold-pressed gold. (laughs) We haven't discovered platinum yet. Yet. Yes. No, it, it just, like... And and I'm sure people will write in and tell me, uh, no, you're wrong, and this show was good. Okay, there were exceptions. Mm-hmm. But I think the the advent of, like, serialized television and shorter seasons and, like, uh, shows competing with cable to, you know, for, for more cinematic storytelling and that sort of thing, like, yep. has made for better TV to the point where, looking back 20 years now, it's like, even a show like DS9, which I remembered liking most if not all like i thought there were three or four bad episodes looking back no no there was more than four or five bad episodes yeah yeah there was more than four or five per season that i didn't care Mm -hmm. it just it's that's how tv was it was just kind of like you got to put yourself in that mind frame Mm -hmm. yeah so no not perfect not the perfect show i remember but still i would say still my favorite trick you know i've been thinking about this too this is this is one of these big ideas I've been wanting to talk about. Um, mm. uh, <laughs> Matt, I don't actually like Star Trek that much. <laughs> you know, I, I you feel... would you would say that just as we were going into Voyager. Yeah, sorry, you're on your own. <laughs> Here, I'll I'll leave notes on how to how to record and post the show, but I'm done. <laughs> these aren't notes. This is a coloring book, a yeah. Sesame Street coloring book. Hey, I like Sesame Street. Okay. And you colored only Grover. Well, I like Grover. What? This raises so many new questions. No. Which you have not provided notes for. <laughs> um, there, There's a, a, a local friend of mine. Actually, I think he wrote in last time and asked mm. what kind of Star Trek we prefer. If we prefer the hard science fiction, if we prefer the political, stuff like that. Right. And I've been thinking about this. There's certain sort of big genre ideas that I think are big enough to encompass a lot of different things. Like you and I have talked about this before with Batman. Mm. Oh, like the Batman can be anything? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this. Like, Adam West and Kevin Conroy and Christian Bale are all yep. valid, entertaining Batman. Batman. Yep. Batsmen. Batsmen, thank you. And all incredibly different. Yep. 
And I think Star Trek is one of those ideas. Mm -hmm. The original series in tone is hugely different from, I mean, even itself sometimes. (laughs) I mean, the the original series is even hugely different from, I would say, the movies. True. But I mean, even sort of internally. Mm-hmm. The original series did some great character stuff. They did some great sort of hard sci-fi stories. They did some great like political stuff. Like it was, uh, it could be a very different show from week to week. And this is one of those things the Gavs actually talked about when we did one of our crossover episodes is how mm. Doctor Who is kind of an open concept and how you can tell sci-fi stories and horror stories yep. and history stories and stuff. And I think Star Trek is like that too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so it's like, I really like DS9 as a character driven political show but i didn't like it when it tried to be a science fiction show usually Hmm. there are exceptions but i think what it did best was you know get into the lives of all these people and how they interrelate to each other and and, sure you know their conflict and stuff like that and i cared way more about the characters whereas next gen was more i mean yeah there was picard but, but mostly let's see what these guys are doing this week. Yeah. But mo- yeah, it was mostly it was let's go to each, you know, like different story mm-hmm. that is self-contained and, and then go on to the next. Let, one. Let's see what problems these colonists have <laughs> or these diplomats. Right. Ugh. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like Star Trek is such a big idea mm-hmm. that it doesn't really mean any one thing anymore. It's like when people complain that the movies aren't, you know, sci-fi enough or ponderous yeah, enough they're or not, whatever. They're not Star Trek-y enough. Yeah, I, I don't know that that means anything anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you think of your best, your favorite Star Trek, and it's probably two or three different sort of conflicting things. Yeah. Because it's, again, it's a big enough idea. And I think someone else could pick up where J.J. Abrams left off and do something really ponderous and really sort of intellectual and cerebral and and it could work too Mm -hmm. i don't think they're mutually exclusive but i do think he's making a big action adventure thing yes and other people are making different things so Mm -hmm. that's it's just something i've been thinking about especially going into voyager maybe that will help us sort of uh, be a little more objective like don't hold it to the standard of the other shows try to take it as its own thing Mm. that said i've already seen the pilot and uh oh boy I'm sure it will be fine. Oh, Matt lied. Um, here's the thing: you guys mm-hmm. have you guys have heard that song, uh, uh that that I've been playing, uh, and and it's not wrong. But the thing about keeping an open mind is, once you get to the thing, you, you, <laughs> now, now you have proof. Yeah, now I can make a judgment. Mm-hmm. I am I am not prejudging, but I am judging in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so far, well, not, we'll, we'll talk not about a that great, not a great pilot, huh? We will talk about it next week. Yes, there, there, there was a lot more to like than I expected. I will say that. All right. There was a lot more. I could easily pick five to ten good things out of that ninety minutes. Mm. Interesting. There were lots of good things. They were ignoring that I know what happens next. Lots uh-huh. of things that appeared to have potential. And I'll even say this. There was only one character in the entire ensemble that I that really rubbed me the wrong way. The rest of them seemed either fine. either likable or fine. Hmm. Interesting. All some, right. Some of them made a great impression. Others were like, "Okay, we didn't spend enough time with them. We'll find out later." Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Well, all right. A preview for next week's episode. Yeah, and you know we'll we'll <laughs> talk about this in front of a bunch of people next week. But yes, yeah. Okay. Anything else you wanted to? 
get out of the way DS9 wise before no we, uh... my friend let us get down to the brass tax very well let us brass some tax <laughs> the batsmen's bats yes the stars trek we will start with Stacy she right. says happy Wednesday um how did you know how did you know this was written on May 6th that's Jesus damn impressive uh, it sounds like you already recorded the end of season podcast. Uh, she's talking about last season. Ah, uh, then yes, we did. But I thought this was interesting anyway. Do you remember that season three episode of DS9 where Jake and Cisco built that solar ship and actually piloted it in space and had to be rescued by Galdicott? Well, they the did, Planetary did. Society, CEO is Bill Nye, actually built something they are calling a light sail, and it is based on the same tech, just on a much smaller scale. They're actually launching the first test today, May 6th, and we'll launch again next year. That's wow. very cool, and we will... That as ever, provide a link, uh, show notes at postatomichorror.com. Yeah, that is very cool. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of cool space stuff going on lately. That's, considering I was under the impression that NASA had completely shut down. Um, also that it was pronounced NASA. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been pretty impressed by the amount of space crap that's been going on lately. Well, I mean, the, the Pluto thing especially. Yeah, that was, that was very cool. We, um, I think the coolest thing I read about that was... We we flung the thing, you know, millions of miles, like uh, at millions of or at, at hundreds of miles an hour. Um, and they missed by like they were their trajectory was miscalculated by five feet or something like that. Wow. Like the huge distances and time and everything involved. Uh -huh. And they were almost exactly right. Wait, wait, were they trying to hit Pluto? No, 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 no. They were, were they just, trying to kill Pluto? Not so much. Was this, not was so much kill it, Matt. As teach it a lesson. Was this an assassin's bullet sent from Earth? Well, listen. Telling Pl to, to finally resolve the problem of whether Pluto is a planet or not by making it neither. Listen, we were sending a message, okay? Do not fuck with us. I was under the mistaken impression that NASA was um, NASA or NASA, as some might say, <laughs> was headed by the vice president, which it apparently used to be, but is not anymore. Mm. Or not NASA, but some space thing. Like, it was basically the vice president doesn't have enough to do. Let's put him in charge of this. And so I thought Dick Cheney was still in charge of NASA when they launched this thing. So it would not surprise me if they shot Pluto in the face. <laughs> anyway, she says, keep up the good work. We will, we will do our best. We are. I'm not sure which work is good, but we will keep it up. Our work is good. Yes, uh, this one comes from Brian, not that Brian, a different Brian. Another Brian. Yes. Alan Matt, just wanted Hi. to get my thoughts in before the next supplemental episode, which I assume you guys are recording this weekend sometime. Uh, nope, Wednesday, as it turns out. Yeah, weird, huh? Uh, first off, let me just say that I still look forward to Monday mornings to get my fix of post-atomic horror. Makes the commute awesome. into my horrible job much nicer for one day a week. Second, I'm glad the fundraiser went well. I was happy to do my part. Yes, thank you guys for that. that was yes, a few months thank ago. you very much. Yes. Uh, so there'll be no excuse for skipping out on Voyager now, uh, which I do plan on watching with you, although I said I had that about DS9 and proceeded to watch the whole series in six months because I couldn't wait to see what happened. Yeah. I somehow we'll, doubt that will be the case with Voyager. We'll see. Third, I do have to take issue with your opinion that In the Pale Moonlight is the best episode of DS9. It is one of the best, sure, but I still contend that The Visitor is and always will be the best episode of the series, possibly any Trek series, and that is all. Mm. I completely follow your uh, your reasoning on that. Mm -hmm. uh, I do not agree, just because In the Pale Moonlight is everything I personally like about DS9. Uh, I would call The Visitor easily a close number two, if um, I had to rank them. 
Yeah, I like I want to We've we've done this for the other two series and I want to sit down and sort of make a list. I've said as we've gone along, oh, this one's a top 5, this one's a yeah. top 10. I kind of want to put that list together. Mm. As well as maybe a bottom 2 and it's just going to be past tense parts 1 and 2. <laughs> but uh Sorry, got to got to get that dig in one more time. Um I I don't know, like I love the visitor, but it does have the disadvantage of being one of those episodes that never happened. Yeah. And it's the, the by far the best time travel, you know, mind fuck. Never mind. It didn't happen after all episode, but it's still. Yeah. It was one where I was actually pretty pleased it didn't happen. Oh, like, I, I agree. Don't want, I don't want this to happen to Jake. Poor Jake. I'm not calling it a cop out and I'm not doing that nerd thing where, well, I guess it doesn't count. Like, no, no, no it's not that. It was a great story. Yeah. But what. I like, and I think what you like about uh, the Pale Moonlight is that it had lasting ramifications mm -hmm. on the storyline, on the characters. It was showing like how far Cisco was willing to go for this war, and it was showing him how different he is than Kirk and Picard. Right, and we discussed that at the time. They, they, they he did stuff that neither of the, neither of them would ever do. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think um, what you get with DS9 with with a cast like that is interesting combinations of different characters. Mm -hmm. Like we saw in the finale, let's put Kira and Damar together. That was fascinating. Yes it was. Uh, but this was let's put Cisco and Garrick together and that was <laughs> okay, let's give the most powerful guy access to the darkest guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happened. <laughs> let's see how your federation ideals hold up to the end of your time with me, Captain. Mm. Turns out not so good. No, not so good. Yeah, but... I, no. Oh, yes, just crawl in bed with me, the devil. <laughs> I don't know. Off the top of my head, like, uh, Trials and Tribulations might be better. <laughs> That's a pretty good one, too. Just just because. That might be, honestly, no kidding, my favorite episode of all Star Trek. And I feel like it gets an asterisk. I feel like it shouldn't count. Mm. You know what I mean? It's It's... Only good because it's got, it's a reference because it's, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not really its own thing. It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, the visitor and Pale uh, Moonlight. the, what do you call it, uh, in the Pale Moonlight, I don't know if they could stand on their own without the rest of DS9, but they can certainly stand on their own without the rest of Star Trek. I don't right. think Trials and Tribulations works if you haven't seen the, the uh, Trouble with Tribbles. Or at least the original series in general. Mm -hmm. And to know who Kirk and Spock and those yeah. guys are and to know how important they are and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like I say, I'm going to have to sit down and, and bang out a, uh, a blog post just to, yeah. to get my thoughts straight. Because I, like I, I do like to put that stuff down while I'm still thinking about it. Because I seriously, I've said this before, have now forgotten about half the next-gen episodes we watched. And yeah, I make those lists for me just as much as anybody else. Because, I oh, I did like that one. Or I thought I remembered liking that one, but it turns out I didn't. Nope. That happens a lot. I don't have to watch this one ever again. Well, yeah. I mean, we don't have to watch anything ever again. It's true. Except Voyager and Enterprise. Mm-hmm. This one comes from Marcel. All and right. he says, hi, guys. Hi. While waiting for your new DS9 episodes, I recently started going back to check out your work on TNG. You couldn't help but laugh when, in the very first episode, you both enthusiastically praised Worf as one of your favorite characters, <laughs> saying that he goes on to also become one of the best guys on DS9. Uh. With every watch, though, 
I've also found that I like Worf less and less. Mm-hmm. For me, it's mostly because Worf represents everything an enlightened future humanitarian, TM, shouldn't. He, he thinks largely in terms of group identity rather than an individual merit, and he tries very hard to belong to an unjust, uh, corrupt, and anachronistic culture that he has no real stake in. Reminds me of more than one second-generation immigrant kid uh, I knew growing up who tried very hard to identify with their parents' country, even though they had never been there, and their parents emigrated precisely because they had good reason to dislike it. The whole thing smacks of some rather sad identity issues. It's frustrating that, despite getting exiled multiple times, Worf would cling on to <laughs> cling on to the <laughs> shitty culture uh, for two whole shows. You may disregard everything below this line. Cross at your own risk. Uh, I'm actually going to read that, but we'll get we'll we'll address this first. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean I, you can speak to this better than I can because you're the one who stopped liking Worf. Yep. Now uh, by uh, by the end, I'd sort of you know. Well, he had a couple of really good redeeming moments. Yeah, but you know, by the by, by the by the end of the of the show, I was pretty much done with Worf. The thing is, I think what DS Nine did was a lot like what I, we talked about this when we covered Wrath of Khan way back. Mm. When you have a character who acts sort of inconsistently in an episodic show, and you kind of want to connect the dots and and pick what's like consistent and make him just like here's what he's like here's here is his true character Mm -hmm. saying that kirk has to have adventure always has to be going and doing things and and having stimulus in his life and and he's a big cheater he doesn't care who he who he fucks over like that finally took a bunch of different sort of conflicting stuff from the original series and kind of tied it all together and i think ds9 said okay you know what Worf was supposed to just be our window into Klingon culture, but let's really look at what he's done. He's yeah. kind of a terrible person. He's definitely a terrible father. <laughs> well, yeah, we knew that coming out of TNG. We knew that we knew that coming out of TNG, but that's not the kind of thing I expected the show to ever acknowledge. I always assumed that was going to be like our our little joke. Right. So getting to that episode where Alexander comes back and Worf has to sort of deal with the fact that oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm a terrible father. That was really good to see. And I, I think the writers deliberately said, you know what? If we're going to inherit this character, we need to really figure out what makes him tick and not just have yeah. him be Klingon, Klingon, honor, honor. And that's what I liked about it. I, mm-hmm. DS9 gave him an extra dimension. They 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 fleshed him out. They gave him more yeah. depth. And he's not just sort of the token Klingon. Now it's like, yeah, but what would he really be like? And the the answer answer, is not really fun to be around. No, but I do think it's interesting. This show gave us two really sort of militant, um, devout, uh, you know, people who are very conservative, very devoted to their beliefs. Mm -hmm. One of them, Kira, was pretty likable despite all that. And one of them more. I thought you meant I thought you meant Quark for a second. I, I guess. I mean, I guess. But that's all such a joke that it's hard to take seriously mm. like they usually played it as people want rights well i'm against that <laughs> <laughs> whatever no quark no but like kira and Worf are both very very dedicated to what they're into yeah and in real life you and i would kind of shy away from people like that we tend to to not be like that but yes but we found kira a compelling character and Worf not and it's interesting that we got kind of both sides of that coin mm. well i think what happened a lot of that was kira sort of softened over the years, you know, she softened, but she never, she never let up. No, she don't, was, like, she, don't get me wrong here. She did not sell out. I mean, she sold out a little. She but. sold out. But then she like she came back from that sell like that sellout. That selling out made her stronger. 
I, I, what I'm, hmm. I'm trying to think of how to, how to say it. She softened, but she never weakened. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Like, she allowed herself to show some emotions and not just yell at people all the mm-hmm. time. Well, I mean, the fact that we have a character who went from, I hate, there's two things I hate, Cardassians and the Federation interfering, yeah. to wearing a Federation uh, uniform while helping Cardassians win a war while, while for helping, freedom. No, while helping the Federation interfere in Cardassian yep. <laughs> affairs. Yeah. This is true. Um, Whereas I think Worf might actually have hardened. Yeah. Well, I think Jadzia was going to soften him. Yeah, and then she died, and he sort of pulled back into himself again. Right. And I don't think he ever came back from that. But I think, you know, we've talked about this to death, the whole Mm -hmm. Gene's vision thing and conflict and all that. I think it's important to have a character like that. Oh, yeah. I think it's important to have a guy who's just like, no, we we should not have a planet like Risa, and we should not be doing, you know, like, Klingons should be Klingon, and and humans should be human. I mean, he's not full-on racist, but he's... (laughs) He he sure is dedicated to just Klingon stuff. Uh huh. He's very, Which, you know, a, a a reason I was very happy with his, you know, his final thing on uh on uh, DS Nine going off to because to, to finally be Klingons with his Klingon buddy. Uh, right, but it's at like the this same is what time, you want so bad. Fuck off. But at the same time, he's an ambassador. Mm-hmm. He's got to be the one who's polite and diplomatic to all the non-Klingon races. Yeah. Although I think it's just to the Federation, so just Federation races at least. (laughs) Still. I know how this works. You guys don't tell me what to do. Right. Hey, listen. I've I've been around, okay? I I served on the Enterprise. Might have heard of it. Kind of a big deal. (laughs) Hi, I'm Worf. Yep. Are you you doing your shtick for the table? (laughs) You might have heard of me. Saved your planet. No big deal. Um, this one comes from Charlie. Hi. This one comes from Bipple. <laughs> Long time, first time. As much as I enjoy the show, I'm way behind on it. Well, listen. That's we're, fair. We're, we're covering a show that's 25 years old. You, you can take your time. It's yeah. fine. I just wanted to thank you for talking about politics in Far Beyond the Stars. It seems like you normally try to keep your broader personal views out of the show, and I respect that. But it's good to see that when Star Trek is politically engaged, you will respond on those terms. Mm. Oh, the, the, right. This is the guy who donated money to us because we dared to say that... Uh, Racism was bad, so th- yes. thanks, dude. I, let's, I, I let's mock, be, but <laughs> let's be very clear here. We we here at Post Atomic Horror are in no way fans of racism. No, um, the thing about that is the the way he words this, it makes me remember, mm. I, and it ties back to to past tense and a bunch of other episodes. Far beyond the stars, maybe the first time Star Trek's tried to get political, where it hasn't bugged me. Yeah, it actually works really well. That might be why we talked about the politics of it, because mm-hmm. because it engaged us, because it did it in a thoughtful way that affected the characters and and was kind of fascinating and not just, oh, will someone not help us? No, it was about someone genuinely trying to do, to do something. And it put a human face, the faces that we were used to seeing for six yep. years to that point, on what was going on. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some some faceless like uh, uh, black people were beaten up in the fifties. Well, that's too bad, but that doesn't happen now. But suddenly, that's Cisco getting the shit kicked out of him. Wait. Yeah. Wait a minute. No. Wait. Mm-hmm. We like that guy. Yeah. Oh wait, he is black. Oh wait, this could happen to anybody. Yes. Like that's that was the what and it did. And it can happen now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, that's that's why that worked. Mm-hmm. 
because Cisco and and Jake and uh, even you know Michael Dorn not looking like Worf but still obviously him well, like just seeing guys that we're so familiar with so it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of brought home oh shit this could happen to anybody see but the thing I one of the things I really liked about that episode and I talked about this when we did the episode too is these were character like. The actors we recognize, like the faces we recognize, but they were all brand new characters. They were, you know, they for were. the most part, like acting very different from you know. Yeah, I, what we absolutely, normally absolutely, and, and usually, just I think the strength of that episode was making us care about all of those characters so quickly. True, absolutely, but again, I think it made an impact on me. Mm. The the racism part of it, just because it wasn't just a faceless guy anymore. Now it was Avery Brooks, who I'm raving about week in and week out. Yes. Like, it, it, it made it more personal. Yeah. You know, which is horrible. I'm a horrible, horrible person for saying, uh, I don't care about it until it happens to someone I know. Mm. Like, that's not what I mean, but that's how it sounds. And this, is, this is a problematic issue, and I'm going to eject now. I'm going to uh, take back what I said. At least, apparently, half of the post-atomic horror cast enjoys racism. <laughs> Al. Look, I'm, I can't, like, I tried to check my privilege, but I got so much of it that I still have some, so. <laughs> Uh, next one comes from Deke, and he says, uh, the subject line says, you said I could. And it says, dear Postadomic Horror, hi, Amanda. Sincerely, <laughs> Deke Winsome. I don't remember the context for that at all, Deke. That was two months ago. All right. Amanda's in the next room, and I'm not going to break my flow here to go tell her that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hang on, I got, I got this. Hi, Deke! There. Ah, it's like she's right here. Yep. Let's see. This one comes from Dan... And it says, hi, guys. I've been slowly working through your podcast from the beginning. They have been almost uniformly very entertaining. Thank you. Especially if you're going through the really early stuff. I, uh... I'd like to apologize for the man trap. I'd like to... Wow, you really fixate on that one. I hate that episode. I'm... That... That comes up a lot. I... That's my, uh... That's my... That's my eternal shame. See, I... The... the, uh, Every day is my eternal shame. Well, yes. And reading almost uniformly, it's just like, what do you mean almost? <laughs> that's not a that's not a compliment. That's an insult. No, I, I appreciate this. Uh, he says, I just heard your comments about Star Trek TOS versus Next Gen and Supplemental 8. Mm. All I can say is there is a reason why TOS stands for the only series. While I am not old enough to have seen Star Trek as it originally ran, I am old enough to have watched it during the first round of reruns. I was excited at the prospect of Next Gen, but to be quite honest, it did nothing to inspire me to watch on a regular basis. Part of the reason for that might have been the low quality of the first season, but I think That's it is more. I can definitely see that being a part. Yeah, but I think it has more to do with the configuration of the crew and their relative responsibilities. Having a ship's counselor on the bridge made zero sense to me. Uh, it always felt as if it was a position designed to thwart the captain, not assert, not assist him or her. Uh, Ensign Schmuckatelli, Captain, the Romulans are preparing to fire. Captain, raise shields. Go to condition red. Weapon station, prepare to fire photon torpedoes. Counselor. Captain, raising the shields is merely a means of blocking out other perspectives. Your emotions may negatively influence your decision to fire. Which should have resulted with the last view of Counselor involving a phaser set on stun or being let off in chains or both. But she's still here after season one, episode one, completely unable to use her empath abilities for anything productive. However, due to your podcast, I may just have to add next gen to my Netflix favorites once I am done watching the complete TOS for the 138th time. I, I expect exa- that. I exaggerate, but not not as much as my family would hope. Thanks again for your efforts. Live long and prosper. Not terribly original, but heartfelt nonetheless. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say if you're going to do a TNG rewatch, uh, feel free to skip season one. Yeah, I would say that as well. 
Ho ho! Ho ho, as you say, ho ho. Um, as a founding member of the Mickey Mouse Club, I would say definitely do not watch Next Gener- Star Trek The Next Generation Season as, 1. As a founder, I say death to the solids. <laughs> death to all salads. Ho <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I mean, you know, we talked about this, like, when we covered that show. During but, the, uh, the vast majority of Season 1, yeah. But in general, the idea of a counselor. Uh, I get where they were coming from. That's definitely one of Gene's ideas. Yeah, you but think? It, uh, but it and it took them a while to make her work, but we we came around on her. Yeah, she does. She does eventually uh, become a you know good member of the crew. Yeah, absolutely. Got to put the time in, or actually, we had to put the time in. You can just skip ahead. Yeah, we wrote an episode guide. It's it's only a couple of bucks. Postcomicor.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, it literally has things in it that's like, should you watch this? Yes or no? Yeah, there's a feature called should you watch it? And mm-hmm. we come to a consensus on whether you should watch it or not. Yes. Uh, let's see. Also, there are jokes in it. There, There is a joke or two. You like jokes. Me personally? No. no. No, you personally hate jokes. I know that about you. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. Uh, next one says, hi, Matt and Ron. Uh, pl- please don't call me that. For some reason, this <laughs> may be. The fuck is Ron? Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, this made me think of Spot. Hope you enjoy it. It's a YouTube video that I will link to. Uh, I do not have time to sit through this 37-second ad to uh, to watch it, though. Yeah. Something about a cat. Uh, P.S. When you do the Voyager episode message in a bottle, would it be possible to stage a DS9 crossover in the review? Uh, how does that work? I, we, I, I'm afraid we don't know Voyager episodes by title no, at I, all. No. I message in a bottle, if I'm not mistaken, is the one where they talk to Barkley. So if anything, it would be a TNG crossover. Oh, I know at All some right. point they use the hollow something to talk to Barkley. It would be the hollow something, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course it would. Uh, as the two security officers are DS9 extras, the defiant ships were never identified. And the setting is about a few weeks after Worf and Dax's marriage. I, OK, but I'm still not really clear how we would do a crossover on a podcast. Maybe write in and, and give us yeah. your... Th- I guess we could contact us of the past? I'm not sure we could do that, because we haven't done it. I don't really want to talk to us of the past. I know that much. No. I mean, because you'll just yell at yourself for the man trap. Yeah, what the hell, I'll say. Yeah. And he'll and he'll say, right? And, and then I'll... we'll both call man trap era Matt. Yeah. Show a little goddamn professionalism, we'll both say. This is turning into a Rick and Morty episode. And Matt of the Past will say, who is this? And I'll just look at all the various owls and I'll say, keep it up. Good job. (laughs) Stay the course. Uh, This one comes from Tony and he says, hi, guys. I'm a relative newcomer to the show and I have to say I've been thoroughly enjoying your stuff. I've been going back and listening to previous episodes, usually ones that cover some of my favorite episodes. Always good for a laugh and insightful as well. Learned a lot about some of my favorite shows. Good. I will not take credit for you learning anything. No. Usually we steal that stuff from Memory Alpha. As people who... uh, People. You know what? As someone who actively tries to to convince people of things that are, some would say, not true. Hi, Paul Rudd. I appreciate that. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, also, see me in Ant-Man. And probably... Ants. (laughs) And probably other things as well. Uh, Yes, Wet Hot American Summer, uh, First Day of Camp, which is on Netflix now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm probably in that. <laughs> and you haven't aged a day since the original movie in 2001. It's bizarre. It's true. Uh, next one comes from Stacy again, and she says three questions. Hi, Stacy. All right. One, 
Do you think it is possible for a trill symbiote? Sim, symbi, symbiote. Symbiote. Yeah, I don't symbiote. know why I forgot how to say that word. It's not her fault. Uh, and its host to set up a bank account that its future hosts can add to take away from. In essence, making their trills line wealthy. I know they aren't supposed to take anything from their previous lives, but as we see with Esri, that isn't always the case. Yeah. Um. Um. Question the first, is Trill a Federation world? Does it have money? Yeah, we've never... Well, I mean, uh, Esri's parents or mom was rich. That's true, but she doesn't live on Trill. Hmm, good point. Yeah, I'm not sure... Like, and- they could easily just have left their Federation world for somewhere to make money. I think... I, I think at some point, if not now, mm. we might just have to wash our hands of the whole money thing because we right? always come back to that and we still have no satisfactory answer for it. That's because it's infuriating and it continues to be infuriating. Yeah, and this isn't the listener's fault for asking the question. It, not at all. It's not our fault for not thinking of things. It's the show's fault for making no goddamn sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it, I would say if you had a trill who had no interest in, you know, the, uh, taboos of trilling, uh, you know, like Esri, mm-hmm. uh, I said, I would say that would be a completely, uh, logical thing to do. Well, and, and I'm pretty sure this is based on the, whatever episode it was where Quark says, you still owe me however yeah. much money, or maybe she owed, or Quark owed her, I don't remember, yeah. but, uh, I don't know, like, trill is one of those, like, societies that the show really should have established and and added to and enriched and everything they did mm. was just boring or wrong. Yeah. Like Trill should have been fascinating. It's it's an entire race of people who basically are like Doctor Who. Yeah. They get to keep regenerating and keeping their memories but becoming new people and living like, you know, eight or ten lives or whatever it is. And, like, that should be amazing. And yeah. every time we came back to them, it was either boring or it contradicted or, something. Yeah. Or it just didn't make any sense. And, 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 like, that's not even scratching the surface of, like, the, you know, the people who aren't symbionts. Yeah. We, you know, we, like, we've talked, talked about, about that, that a little before. bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, and like, I, how fascinating that is. No, the whole the whole class warfare thing. The whole, like, yeah. Esri's mom moving away because she didn't want, like, either she didn't make it or she didn't want one. Yeah. And she there's no way to make it on that planet unless you're one of them. Uh-huh. So she had to leave. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. It's really interesting. But that that's sort of on the fringes. We never got full episode. Like, every time we got a full episode about Trill, it was just yeah. not very good. See, that's the thing. Like, if I was writing for that show, that's the thing I would want to explore every every uh, couple of seasons or so, well, you th- know? Think about all the cultures that we've gotten to know well, like the Vulcans, mm-hmm. the Klingons, even the Ferengi to some extent. Yep. But the Trill just... We only pop in on them occasionally, and nothing they do ever seems to make any sense. No, and the thing is, like, whenever we have a cast member that's an alien race, they're sort of our window into that culture. And everything Jedzia and Ezri did just kind of was terrible. I hate to say it. I came to really love Jedzia. Mm-hmm. But all the Trill stuff she did was just kind of dumb. Yeah, no, those characters both worked fine as characters, you know? But you never really... At any time we were supposed to, like find out about, you know, where they were from, it, like, who gives a shit? Yeah, it just, it should have been fascinating, and it wasn't. Yeah. I can't Logical believe... Too. Go, yes. <laughs> I can't believe going into DS9, if you told me, yeah, you're, you're gonna be kind of interested in the Ferengi for a while, but the Trill, never. It's like, what? excuse me? Yeah, what? <laughs> who is this? But, like, Odo is our... Are you sure you don't want to yell at Matt from the past? <laughs> 
Odo should have been, or Odo was our window to the founders. And yes. I, I've gone on and on about how fascinating I find those guys. Absolutely. Like there's an alien race that's well established and just unique and strange and everything, every new f- like fact we're given makes yeah. sense. Everything we learn about them, like that, that is a well-realized culture. Yeah. That... And it adds to the tapestry, every new thing. Yeah. Whereas with the, the trill, seriously, we were told that they're not supposed to like, New lives is a break. Like, yeah, they're not there's supposed a whole to episode about it. Yeah. And then uh, Esri just resumes where Jedzia left off. She just has yeah. a different job now. Yeah. Come on, man. There's a way to bring Jedzia's next host onto the show without doing it like that. Yeah. We talk like we, they really should have had had her just like her next host just show up a bit into season seven and, you know, done an episode or two about that. But if they wanted to make her part of the crew, mm-hmm. like if that's definitely something they wanted to do, there's ways to do that. She like, if nothing else, she should have done everything she did. Only it should have been seen as a crime. Yeah. There should have been trill people showing up and investigating her and saying, yeah, we're going to like you agreed to not do this when you when you took the symbiont and we're going to take it away now. No, that's the interesting th- thing, though, is that Ezri never agreed to any of that. They just slapped the uh, trill into her because she or the symbiont into her because she was the only person on the ship who could uh, take one. Right. Like, I would be very interested to see, like, uh, you know, her just saying, no, I don't have to, like, I didn't take any oaths or anything. I ended, I stumbled ass backwards into this. I'm completely unprepared for it, but you're certainly not taking it out of me, because so I'll die. Right, but that would be an interesting conflict. Yeah. Like, I, I did, like, for a little while, her cute, like, confusion, because mm-hmm. she wasn't prepared, she didn't go through the program, she had no idea what to expect, and it was all kind of, like, too much for her, but... yeah. At some point, like, I, I think they, they stretched that on way too long. Yeah. But for a little while, it was cute. But after that, it would have been great to then transition into, okay, you're doing all the stuff that Trill agreed not to do. What the fuck, lady? Yeah. And that could have been an interesting episode rather than Norvo. Oh, God. Poor Norvo. Yeah, it's poor, not Norvo's fault. Porvo. <laughs> poor Norvo. Uh, Stacy says, also, too... Random note, I call the synthesis ending in Mass Effect 3 jumping into the Cisco hole. You, you know what that means, <laughs> I do not. Yeah, I will enjoy that. Three, how long do you think it is until they drop Grand Nagus Rom off the Ferengi Tower of Commerce for completely bankrupting their government? I'd say he's got about 15 minutes. Nah. Considering how backstabby uh, Ferenginar is? Yeah, but they that, that whole episode they were talking he... about how everything changed and everybody was nice now and... I mean, yeah, societies I don't, don't just change like that overnight, but apparently no. they had. I don't know, man. It all depends on whether or not he hires Brunt. Or Mayhardu. Yeah. Like he, hire, he, he hires Brunt, he's gonna be uh he's gonna be viziered in about uh in about a week. I'm I uh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair. Usually I wanna think about okay, what happens next, but uh, I don't care I don't about Rom. Nope. Don't care. Sorry. I'm king of the planet, brother. I don't care. Did were there any books specifically about that? that you uh, I know this is just off the top of my head. I know um uh Rom makes uh Quark's bar the Ferengi em- embassy on uh it makes, sense. it makes sense that a Ferengi embassy would be a business. That's kinda yeah. cool. And it also, yeah, which means he can keep making money. Right. Like when uh when the when uh D- when Bejor finally joins the Federation, you know. DS9 stops taking in money, so... Oh, do they actually say that? I guess, yeah. Oh, cool. 
No, there's a but there's a comment that's uh, Quark's bar still can still make money because it's a, the Ferenginar embassy. That's cool. Yeah. No, oh, I like that. No, I'm just curious. Like, I don't. I'm not interested, but some listeners might be. Mm. If you're aware of any books that like, yeah. continued the adventures of Rom as the Grand Nagus and the anyway, changes on Ferenginar and all that stuff. These are the thing. These are the things I know about Rom. These are the things I know. Uh, four. I wish I could be in Seattle for your intro to Voyager episode. Any chance you'll be videotaping it as well as recording it? Uh, we will try. Um, we, yeah, we did, this one's. That well, one's. This is new to us. Well, yeah, we we did a an anniversary show for our other podcast for Sarcastic Voyage uh, last year at this venue, and they tried to record it for us, and there were some technical issues. So yeah, we're gonna try, but there may be some yeah. problems. But the audio will be going. Yeah, the thing is, there's not gonna be much to look at. Yeah, it's not like at a convention where we're going to get all dressed up and everything or I get dressed up. But, you know, yeah, that that's our look. <laughs> I'm the dressed up guy. You're the normal guy. My my family was looking at pictures of uh, the last live show. And uh, this is for SV. And they specifically say, why are you the only one who looks like a schlub? I like that. I'm like, well, first of all, that was very hurtful. <laughs> it's a little hurtful. I don't know. Schlub. They, they could have said worse. They could have said uh-huh. so much worse. It's true. Did they actually use the word schlub? I believe so. Nice. You look like a schlub. Hmm. Maybe they meant you look like Tony Shalhoub. Oh, God. I owe, I owe a lot of people apologies. Hang mm. on. Yeah. No, not right. Really. Don't, don't stop the show. Just No, don't. I have to go. Oh, damn it. The apologies. <laughs> um, Hello, grandmama. It's a, it's a, why, your grandmama called you a schlub? <laughs> no, it, it's a deliberate choice. And at the same time, also makes Matt comfortable. I yes. like wearing suits. It's it's. I will totally cop to the fact that I steal that from Paul F. Tompkins. It mm-hmm. makes you feel a little classy. It it helps in your mind when you're a little scared to be up there to elevate you a little. Because hey, I'm the best dressed guy in this room. All right, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a little trick. It's a little simple actress trick. Mm-hmm. I love you, Coco. And then you and then you grab Matt's balls. I well, maybe next time. That that see, I don't get the suit, so that works for me. Right. The but like. It's totally like fine for you because you're comfortable, and it's like a, it's like a. I mean, I don't know. Like um, somebody pointed out that uh, Bob and David did that on Mister Show, where Bob Odenkirk would come out in a suit and and David oh, Cross yeah. was always dressed down, and like I'm, they did not invent that. No, but no, I never thought of that. And it's a it's a common thing, and I think it just works for us. Like it's not a yeah. You know. But anyway, I, uh, what I'm I'd saying, rather, is, I'd rather be Bob Odenkirk. I, uh, too bad. David Cross seems so angry. Well, Matt, of the two of us, I guess that's true. You were the angrier one, and I'm—I've uh, become a very serious actor, apparently. Who knew? Yeah. Um. But well, anyway, what my point is, that will not be the, like the. There will not be lots to look at at this show. No. Because uh, it, it is very unseasonably, like mind-bogglingly warm in the Pacific Northwest right now. Uh, yeah. And the Pocket Theater, uh, you know, is a fantastic venue, but it gets very warm in there. And we're going to be there for a long time. So uh-huh. we're going to be dressed comfortably and there may be like air conditioners going and like it's it's not going to be much to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will try. I'm not going to say we're not going to do it, but uh, we will try. Yes. Next one comes from Deke and he says, dear people of the utopian future where there is no interpersonal conflict. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm going to cause some conflict. Oh, no. Actually, I'm just going to exclude Matt from the first part of this email. I'm really what sorry. The hell? But, but there will be ghost, but there will be no Ghostbusters references in the first part of this. Son of a bitch. 
However, I realized this morning that Ben Sisko is the Rodimus Prime of Star Trek. A leader who fights his way out of things, a leader who's conflicted, a leader who has a character arc. Yes, I believe the entirety of DS9 was based on Season 3 of Transformers, which is as good a thing as, uh, uh, as Voyager is apparently based on Season 1 of Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, Matt can come back in the room now. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I fell asleep when you said the word Transformers. That's all right. Uh, I, I would agree with that without actually going into it, because I really... The, I have not gone off on my uh, opinions about uh, Optimus Prime versus Rodimus Prime on this show, and I don't want more angry mail. Like, <laughs> stick to my YouTube videos <laughs> of Transformers Matt. for that. Yeah. Just, I don't, I don't feel like hearing it right now. Uh, I wanted to congratulate you on finishing DS9. Now you're going to move on to and thrill to the exciting adventures of a future terrible admiral, a ship's cook, a hologram that doesn't sing or give good advice, a generic white guy, a generic Asian guy, an elf that's going to die, a Native American guy who may as well be a generic white guy, and why the hell not a half-breed Klingon. Also Jerry Ryan, who boosted the rating as, as much as her corset and push-up bra boosted her boobs. I'm really going to miss DS9 with its interesting characters, personal drama, high stakes, stories that take risks, and its ability to make even Ferengi engaging. That's not to say Voyager won't be great, because, um, boobs. Mention the boobs, right? They don't show up until season four. Also, apparently there won't be any Ghostbusters references in the second part of this email. Sorry about that, Madamus Prime. You should, ah. Anyway, keep up the good work, boobs. God damn it. You are best friend, Deke. <clears throat> hey, hey, you, you apostrophe R-E. You are. Yep. I have no response to that. No. None. No. This one Thanks comes. a lot, Deke. Moving on. This one comes from Mark. And he says, hi, Alan, Matt. Well, Hi. I think we're through the mid-season slump, right? Going into the nine-episode finale now. When the show was first airing, the worst episodes of season seven kind of defeated me, and I stopped watching all the new episodes. I saw What You Leave Behind, but to this day, there are episodes in that nine-episode run I haven't seen yet. This is back in July, so I assume you've seen them now. Sure. Uh, even though I have the DVDs, and I know they're considered the better episodes of the season. Season six, I missed the sound of her voice and didn't watch it until I just listened to your review. Now I'm getting ready to watch all nine episodes of the finale so I can get the most out of your upcoming reviews. I like the finale episodes I watched. I really like the Cardassia plot with Garrick, Tamara, Odo, and Kira. Looking forward mm -hmm. to the rest of DS9 and keeping an open mind about Voyager. Yeah, season seven, like the first half of it was just... Pretty rough. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> like I We did a... The, the, the opening was pretty, was pretty okay. Yeah, the first two episodes or three or whatever it was. Yeah, but then we had a lot of just random crap about people we don't really care about. A lot of Vic. A lot of Vic, a lot of Esri. A lot of Esri. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I can't yep. apologize for that apart from... I, I mentioned this not too long ago. I'm usually wrong when I say this is coming up. Mm -hmm. Just ignore me about that. Yeah. Just When I say, yeah, coming up is something great or something terrible, just I, I don't know. I clearly no. don't know. Like, and that is why I'm actually keeping an open mind about Voyager, because mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I remember it not being very good, but my memory is clearly not reliable. No. So who knows? N neither of us, I think, you'll yes. find. Mm, apparently not. No. Uh, let's see. Next one comes from Tony, uh, and he says, I hereby award you the Kapla Award for being the only Trek podcast that I actually stuck with, and I'm now going through your early episodes as well. Thank you. Can I just say quickly, having heard some of your comments about Voyager and Enterprise, like you guys when these first aired back in the day, my interest in both series raged indifference to hatred. I missed the last two seasons of Enterprise because by then I had given up. However, 
about four years ago, I found Enterprise Season 4 in a bargain bin and not finding anything else to pick up, I decided to watch it. I have to say Season 4 had some really good episodes, and since I went back, I watched the episodes I missed. Now I'm going to say the show is as good as TNG. Uh, no, I'm not going to say the show is as good as TNG or the epic DS9. What I will say is if you go into Enterprise objectively, there is some enjoyment to be had out of it. It was a real missed opportunity. Uh, great work as always. See you next week. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, you know. We, we'll you know, we've heard some, like, stuff about the later season of Enterprise. You know? I, I heard that at the time, and I watched a few, and I was not impressed at the mm. time. Yeah. Perhaps I shouldn't be wrong, though. Yeah, I mean, well, I will see, but, you know, there's what also, I remember, <laughs> Blandy McBland and the Bland crew. I gave, I said this before, I gave Enterprise and Voyager both a season and a half. Mm-hmm. All the first season wasn't impressed into the second season and finally gave up and same, you know, same again. And there were no characters that really engaged me. There were no situations that really engaged me. I was annoyed by some of the retcons, but we'll see. I mean, that's mm-hmm. we're still talking another two years from now. Yep. Here's another thing to consider about both Voyager and Enterprise. I think our perspective is going to be different just given given what we're doing right now. Yeah. Like, we're, we can't help but compare. That's that's going to happen no matter what. And we shouldn't. It ain't healthy. <laughs> but we're going to. Yeah. But it, you know what I mean? Like, it's a unique experience watching them all in order like this. And we're going to get something different out of it than we would have just sort of watching it in a vacuum. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So that, that may change our opinions. I don't know. Yeah. We will see. Next one comes from Richard, and he says, Dear Pa, just a little something to combine music and ROM, because Al must suffer. This this is, by the way, maybe the best thing ever. So let's uh, have a listen to this. Here's ROM, friend to all children. He's got sharp teeth like an alligator, but he knows how to your replicator he's wrong friend to all children brother. Brother. his brother makes deals that are kind of shady brother. but he's married to a real hot double lady he's wrong friend to all children brother. brother he'll be your pal calm your fears brother. listen to your troubles with his giant ears he is Yeah, that was amazing. We I fucking forgot about that. Richard sent this to us on July 17th and I've been sitting on it this whole time but I had oh. to share it with Matt and it oh, oh so my god. Good. Just oh man. So it's many like, good things in that. I it's perfect and then you get to the brother. Yeah. The the, the lyrics are clever as hell and then that is funny and uh-huh. Richard has done a bunch of songs for us before on the show and our other yep. show and they're always great and the thing I love the best is they're great and they do not belabor the point that song was under a minute it yep. didn't it didn't feel the need to have a full verse chorus verse chorus bridge you know like mm-hmm. to 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 squeeze all the life out of it it just did no. the funny stuff and got out and that just, was good just perfect yeah so funny Bro. also it it led us to uh, imagine an entire uh, ROM-based uh, spinoff, if you'll recall. Oh, God, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, we, we talked at length about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about, uh, it's it's ROM and Vic Fontaine. Yep. Uh, and they go live together on Risa, I believe. Yep. Um, 
and I think Lita was there, but we yeah. had to recast her for some reason. And it was well, like, yeah, because they couldn't get they couldn't get Chase Masterson back. Because no, they didn't like she didn't want to do it. Yeah, she's like, no, that that sounds stupid. Yeah. So, yeah, I it, I just, it lasted a season and a half. Uh huh. <laughs> the second the second season they re they relaunch as a hard boiled detective show, <laughs> but they never called it Star Trek Rom. So. Nobody yeah. ever realized. Yeah, exactly. They thought it was a, a show about Space Night. Yep. Or about uh, read-only memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one comes from Mark, and he says, Hi, Alan Matt. How do you think the new da- the two Daxes compare in terms of strength of characterization? You frequently mentioned in early DS9 reviews that Jadzia wasn't as strong a character as you remembered, and that she only improved to match your expectations after three or four seasons. I personally feel like Ezri is a more defined character than Jadzia, at least early Jadzia. A lot of Ezri's stories about being confused by joining and being stuck in Jetsia's life, but I do think we see how being confused and stuck affects Ezri as a unique person. Maybe early Jetsia is feeling some of the same things about being joined, but because her training is able to cover it better. Instead of openly displaying the confusion of her recent joining, she's cool and aloof. Perhaps those first three years is her learning to deal with reality uh, with what she'd been taught in theory, and the new improved acts is Jetsia's personality emerging from the hibernation. That is an awesome, no prize retcon explanation there. Yep. Um, I will accept that as fact. Yeah, that, that sounds good to me. Uh, that is, what do they call it, headcanon now, right? Yep. 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 Your no prize is in the mail. Uh-huh. No prize is in the mail. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, Esri was, I would say, well-defined more or less from, you know, from yeah. the beginning, whereas Jed's, you're, you're absolutely right about that. But, but I think I enjoyed the character of Jedzia more. Uh, okay. What she became, anyway, like... Well, yeah, okay, yeah. Because, to start, yeah, she sucked. I think if they had changed halfway through... Yeah. And we got an equal amount of both, then we could give them a fair chance. But Esri felt so tacked on and felt so... We got to get to know her, and now we got to get to, yeah. like, know what she's about. Now we got to hook her up with a boyfriend. Like, just, just slow yep. down and show what she's like day to day, you know? Like, yeah. Ezri really would have benefited from, you know, a season eight of DS9. Mm-hmm. I think the show ended but, when it should have ended, but you're right. I agree, but the character... Right, the character the, deserved more than that. If the character had decided to, you know, take a stroll over to Voyager, Worf style... Sure. Somehow. Eh. They were, like, they were I, I th- often ending up in Alpha Quadrants in, like, situations. It, they, listen, it wouldn't have been... It would not have been that hard. Right. How did I get here? What are you doing here? <laughs> what is this? A crossover episode? <laughs> Actually, yes. It's <laughs> exactly what it is. But we, I, like I said all along, I had no problem with Nicole DeBoer. I thought she was great. Yep. They did the best they could, but we, we just talked about this. I feel like the character uh, could have been better for a number of reasons. And, of course, there's that big thing of everyone wants to be her boyfriend. Yep. And that well, got she's a little the new, tiresome. She's a new hotness. Yeah. I don't I, know. It's it's a space station. There's a lot of people on and off. It's, yeah. It really one new pretty girl and everyone goes gaga. Yeah. No, we talked about this a while ago and I want to bring it back again now that the show is completely over. I would have been mm-hmm. fine if Dax had just died. And yeah. no, no Ezri, nothing. The symbiote goes on to, you know, some other host far away. We, DS9 could have afforded to lose a character. It didn't need a replacement. Yeah, they. we talked about this, yeah. They could have bumped up somebody else to, like, a series regular. 
Yeah. I mean, the the ideal situation really would have been to do what uh, what uh, Terry Farrell wanted to do in the first place, which is yeah. sort of recede into the background and do a handful of episodes and not be the center of attention. Yeah, that would have been fine. Absolutely. But but you know, if you're gonna get rid of her, yeah. like you know, the show benefits more from that character not being around anymore. You know, like and. Having a spare Dax kind of lessens her death. Uh, that said, though, we have established from day one that she can do that. Mm-hmm. It's we not have, like they just suddenly invented that. It's one thing to know it, though, and it's another thing for it to actually happen. Well, and, and again, to go back to what we said before, the idea was she's dead. Yeah, she'll get a new host, but we're never going to see her again because that's how yeah. their society works. Yeah. But, eh, but no. whatever. Uh, next one comes from Aaron. Uh, oh, she's talking about we we've mentioned Tom Riker from time to time, and yes. she mentions uh, uh, it wasn't in a book, but I do remember Tom Riker showed up in a DS Nine comic series. Oh, Soul Asylum, S O L E Asylum. Spoiler alert: He's still stuck in prison at the end of the story. Well, that's one of those things. <laughs> that's one of those things when you're when you're doing expanded universe stuff, you always have to put things back where they were. Yep, and I feel like that's not a situation that Star Trek should be in anymore. No. It's very clear we're not going to get more next-gen movies or any DS9 or Voyager movies. You might as well just go yeah. nuts and kill who you want and, and marry off who you want and free who you want from jail and so mm-hmm. forth. Yeah. There's That's no uh, one of the do. things I was... Uh, I never, you know, I never actually... I never got around to finishing it, but one of the things I was excited about with the uh, the comic series, the current comic series was them going back to DS9, because I fully expected no one ever to go back to DS9. Right. No, and I read that, and it was pretty good, but it was all an alternate future. So none of it, like, none of it was a continuation of what we've seen. It was all uh, the characters we know, but in a, a, you know, separate timeline. So, yeah. Also, I'm going to say, the thought I had while reading it was, okay, so the original series characters all look different, Uh but... So how come the how come the DS9 characters still look the same as the old universe? And half of them are British now. It's true. I just Hello, watched... I'm Benjamin. Hello, I'm Benjamin Cisco. I just watched uh uh 2009 Star Trek and Into Darkness the other night. Really? I'm still very disappointed at Into Darkness. I, I understand you going back to watch 2009 Star Trek, but <sighs> well, Into after Darkness? I watched after I watched the Voyager pilot, I was like, okay, I need to cleanse the old palette a bit sure watch that it's like i remember the first bit of into but, darkness being good and i really like these guys let's let's go ahead and fire that up no oh, i should have just turned it off after a certain point should have been my name where's that click. note you put on uh star trek 5 <laughs> yeah yeah good. what about that note you put on star trek 5 that says you don't need to watch this again no it's i didn't expect to like it but i did expect okay now i know where the bad stuff is. And I yeah. can kind of brace myself and watch guys that I like. And sort of look at it. Yeah. And I, I did see enjoy, it with a more critical eye. Yeah. I, I did enjoy a lot of it. But, you know. Yeah. I also, like, the story needed it. But I really wish they hadn't killed off Christopher mm-hmm. Pike. Because I love him. Yeah, he's pretty great. He's He's really great. Okay, next one actually comes from Bob, and he mentioned this when he came on the show recently, that uh, his daughter, uh, he's been watching DS9 uh, along with us, uh, with his with his son, 
Duncan, who is uh, also mm-hmm. a, a voice actor on Sarcastic Voyage. Um, and uh, he also has a daughter, Moira, who kind of comes and goes. And she wandered in. Yeah. Having not watched since maybe the beginning of season two, he says, uh-huh. we spun a half true tale of catch up, which included the idea that Keiko was dead. <laughs> she fell into a time hole <laughs> and Bashir and O'Brien got married. <laughs> I think we talked about this because because we said it was great that someone who's like 16 just to them. Gay marriage is always a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're probably married. Yeah, so that makes but, sense. But anyway, the the capper to this is she drew a picture of them getting drunk together, and it is delightful. And oh, great! With that in the show notes, we'll put it on our Tumblr as well. So, uh, let's see. Next one comes from Chris, uh, and Chris says, "Good day. My bride chatted with you at the Emerald City Comic Con a few years ago and gave me a CD of your podcast. Oh. It works. Oh. Since then, I have tuned in every Monday. I've been rewatching DS Nine right along with you." A friend and I were recently discussing old film properties, which actually deserve a remake, and I came up and came up with a short list. At the top of the list was the Michael Douglas film Falling Down. We began discussing modern annoyances, which could make a conservative and unstable person go postal, letting us all experience some catharsis as our protagonist says and does what we we all wish we could uh, if there were no consequences. Then we arrived at the subject of actors who could tackle the role. We concluded that Avery Brooks is in full freakout mode would be the only way to go. So it has nothing to do with Star Trek, but I thought I could derail your podcast for a moment while you collectively contemplate how magnificent this would be. Chris from Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm amazed Avery Brooks is not like a big movie star. Right? He's just... Amazing. Uh, so great. And he gets a little goofy. We've we've pointed that out. Yes. But he makes it work. No, he is like... Just it's amazing. It's all about, we talked about this as, you know, the whole time. It's all about the little idiosyncrasies. It's all about all the weird flourishes that he gives that character to make him a real person and not just a mm-hmm. character, you know? And that includes some really strange things. Yeah. Yeah. Just weird choices and, like, mostly body language. Like, I'm trying to think of specific stuff. And most of it's sort of visual, so it's hard to discuss. But it's weird little ways he, like reacts and smiles and jumps back when something happens or, you know what i mean like yeah he's he's just really animated and strange a unique actor yeah. but good but definitely like, good do not not just making random choices like no. he's clearly got it figured out who this I mean, guy is i mean he's no crispin glover well who is no one is who no one is crispin glover that is correct no he is not a real person <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I liked the moving falling down as it is, actually. I don't I, I've never seen falling down. It's not bad. I, I watched it in a um, college class I took where we applied uh, principles of literature to film, which was pretty cool. And um, there's a lot of like, you know, I mean, it's 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 first year 101 basic symbolism. Like there's nothing too deep in there, but it, sure. there's, there's still some interesting stuff. And it's basically just watching, you know, watching a guy as as this guy says, like, um completely loses shit just like, right just become unhinged and you know, it's pretty interesting uh next one comes from scott uh hello matt and al how are you i am fabulous i guess if my nickname is going to be gay scott i might as well embrace it <laughs> well we know two scots scott and there's scott and there's gay scott i'm embarrassed that we called them that on air oh well the thing is, we we know who this guy is. We're not just yes. you know saying, "Hey, everyone, we're gonna out this guy." No, he's he's you know, very very openly gay, Scott. 
Uh, do you guys have any thoughts as to why Star Trek hate started hating Vulcans? From Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite on to Voyager and Enterprise, Vulcans are portrayed as, well, jerks. I mean, Spock had his dick moments, but the writers made Vulcans only have dick only have dick moments. Yeah. So what happened? Did someone touch Rick Berman in an inappropriately with a Spock doll? Excuse <laughs> me, action figure? Was Mark <laughs> Lennard mean to one of the writers? What? I don't know, but you are not wrong. That is definitely something I that like has been happening in the uh you know, more re- like they really sort of play up the arrogance of Vulcans. Yeah, and that will really come to a head when we get to Enterprise. That is one of the things I didn't care for. Maybe I'll like it better next time. I don't know. Um, the thing that like I noticed this a little watching the Voyager pilot, looking at Tuvok, who I quite liked, mm-hmm. and he was great. But I realized all he is is the best Vulcan since Nimoy. Like that—that's all the best he's ever going to be. Yeah is the best Vulcan since Nimoy. And then I stopped and and thought, like, yeah, but that's not really a very long list of good Vulcans. Yeah. And the thing is, it's... I think, like, our favorite stuff with Spock... Well, my favorite stuff, and I'm pretty sure yours too, is Mm -hmm. him bickering with Bones. Yeah. And always, like, needling each other. Always like, oh, humans are great, huh? (laughs) And with it's pretty understood, at least by me, to be friendly ribbing and not actually a real opinion yeah. that humans suck. Yeah. No, and Spock's I, whole thing with Bones was always that he loved <laughs> he, he loved pissing him off. Yeah, and Bones gave it right back to him. Yeah. That's oh, why you guys are better than us, huh? Well, how come you did this? Mm-hmm. And we love that. Like, it's fun because neither of them are actually racists. They're no. just fucking with each other. Yeah. And... The thing is, I think some guys look back on that and say, oh, well, Spock, as the representative of all Vulcans, obviously, they look down on humans and mm-hmm. think we're not great. And it's like, Which is such a misreading of the character of Spock that it's kind of embarrassing. I agree. But most of the other Vulcans we've seen have been like that because the plot demanded it, not because that's what they're like. See, and that's just, it's like, that goes against every, like, the entire Vulcan philosophy, you know? Like, come on. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Yeah, they... It's right there. They absolutely respect and admire you all cultures. You accept the universe in its insane different forms. You don't right. have to like everything. No, but... and a lot of my interpretation comes from some really good TOS books that I read, specifically mm. Spock's World by Diane Duane. A goddamn classic. Really, really good book, and a really great fleshing out of Vulcan stuff that was sort of hinted at, but never really gone into. And it's great because it doesn't contradict anything. I mean, it contradicts stuff that came after it. Well, sure. But it it really tries its best to stay true to the original series. And you get, you you really realize that as the show already told us, these guys aren't arrogant. They're just like, they're just focused. They're just like, I don't know. There's, there's a difference between we think we're better than you and, and you guys are emotional, but we can't do that because yeah. it would kill us. Yeah. Like, it's not that they think emotions are bad. It's that they think emotions are bad for them. Yeah, exactly. And the particularly Enterprise's take on that is all Vulcans just look just down on all assholes. humans. They're all talking about how bad we smell. Yeah. And how we're screwing up the galaxy and our, you know... I don't know much about Enterprise, but I do know that, like, the like a lot of Enterprise was supposed to be us proving ourselves to the Vulcans. Yeah, they which, only let us have a ship that could go warp five or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which, like, 
we should, from what I know of Star Trek, we should never have had to do. Like, you prove you you get warp drive. You've proven that you're that you that you deserve a seat at the table. Right. But I also understand that that mythical awesome season four. Mm-hmm. I'm being a little sarcastic because I don't. I, I'm I'm skeptical. We'll see. I, I there's no song about Enterprise yet. We'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that supposedly says, oh no, there was some kind of Vulcan conspiracy, and actually that was only a handful of guys, and they're actually fine. Okay. We'll see. I don't know. That is, I was told that. Oh no, no, that they address that, and and not all Vulcans are like that, and they they go back on it, and it was okay. All right. We'll see. But I don't love that interpretation of Vulcans. Like, it's uh, not great. As far as I can tell, just from seeing the pilot, it looks like Tuvok is old friends with Janeway. It looks like they they have a relationship. Cool. So clearly, he doesn't hate humans. Yeah. Which is good. No, he hates Neelix. I, well, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> he just met Neelix, so, and we can see all the reasons why there. It's not like we have to take it as red. We, we can watch that relationship form from the beginning. Stop calling me Mr. Vulcan. <laughs> but it's... <sighs> I have a goddamn name. And it's goddamn Tuvok. But it, it I, I, you know, it's the same thing I liked about Spock. It's, okay, good. Your best friend's a human, so obviously you're not a dick. Like that. That's okay. You 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 got someone to ground you and to like. You're not just saying, "Oh, look look at these little animals. They think they can talk." You know, like yeah. I I don't know. I like that. Uh, let's see. This one comes from David, and he says, "One thing I loved about DS9 was its treatment of the Federation and creepy implications of smug future man." Mm-hmm. I first noticed this in the episode where O'Brien gets locked in prison for decades. Well, gets memories implanted that he was in prison for decades and ends up killing his cellmate. When Julian talks him down from suicide, O'Brien gives him a little insight into the Federation's culture. When we were growing up, they used to tell us humanity had evolved, that mankind had outgrown hate and rage. But when it came down to it, when I had the chance to show that no matter what anyone did to me, I was still an evolved human being, I failed. I repaid kindness with blood. I was no better than an animal. He was driven to suicide, not just by the stress of his situation, but by the belief uh, that he'd fallen from grace of humanity. Mm -hmm. His culture didn't give him a uh, chance to fail horribly and distance him from the monsters of humanity's past. Powerful lesson of genocide is that all of us have a demon inside that can be tapped. To deny that is to walk blindly into a variety of inhumanities and to deny the fundamental humanity of others. I could see racism expressed toward Quark and the attempted genocide of the founders as natural outgrowths of that culture. Perhaps that kind of smug, disturbing illusion of, a man, of humanity's perfectibility is what Eddington was getting at when he called the Federation worse than the Borg. It's creeping. It's insidious. It can and has led to the darkest chapters of our past and Star Trek's fictional history. Apologies in the essay, but it's the last chance for me to get at that before Voyager takes us to less philosophical themes. Or maybe it does. Open mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I I remember liking that Eddington thing. I, yeah. Of course, I'm probably remembering wrong, because I usually do. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, saying, hey, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That was the only time the Maquis side of the argument made any sense to me. Yeah. If I'm recalling correctly. I, I seem I to recall that as well, but, you know, I recall poorly. Mm-hmm. No, I, I liked that. And in general, yeah, DS9 did some great sort of poking at that idea. Yeah, they're, that great uh, that great Quark and uh, Garrick thing. Uh, oh, yeah, the root beer? The root beer discussion. Yeah. Uh, the Quark and Nog thing where he's talking about how humans are, you know, humans are great until you uh, take away their replicators and their beds. Right. And then, of course, uh, what is it? Homefront and Paradise Lost. Are those the the two parter where they went to Earth? Mm, yes, with the the changeling paranoia. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, 
I've heard people use those as arguments that this is less Star Trek, blah, blah, blah. And like I said before, first of all, I think Star Trek's big enough to encompass all of that. Yeah. But second of all, I think the original series did all kinds of stuff like that. Like, everyone likes to say, oh, no, no, DS9 went dark and humans were perfect before this show. No, you forget how many crazed Starfleet officers there were that Kirk had to put down. Yep. Like Garth of Izar, mm-hmm. like uh, the dude from... Doomsday uh, Machine. The Doomsday Machine, that's, the, yeah, uh, Commodore Decker. Yeah, of course. Like, um, uh, what's his name? Daystrom, who created the M5, who wasn't yep. Starfleet, but was still human, and <laughs> went crazy and did some stupid shit. Yep. Like, uh, uh, Zephram Cochran, who was a big old anti-alien racist. Yep. Like, there were a lot of super fallible just like flawed humans. Yeah, it's in, only it's that it's that gene thing. Yeah, revisionist history re, thing. Re, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. The revisionist yeah. history of gene. Yeah, where he's like, no, no, no. Hey guys, everybody's uh, gets along and uh, it's a perfect society. I, I, that might be George Lucas, but same difference. The power of myth. <laughs> yes, please quote the clerk's cartoon again. I will. Okay. Six yeah, episodes, my, Matt. My, my kids thought. <laughs> Six episodes. Mm-hmm. That's all it got. The pod races were cool. <laughs> there is, we talked about this before, actually. Gay Scott told us about this. Yes. Uh, or Scott, if he, if you prefer. I, I like Gay Scott. <laughs> I celebrate his gayness, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um... He he uh, hipped us to this, and I've seen it elsewhere since. This documentary about how Gene almost completely screwed up Next Gen. Yeah, I never. Oh, shit, I never get around to watching that. Well, I would love to see it, except that it is uh, organized and narrated by Shatner, and that's where I draw the line. Yeah, I kinda, I'm kind of done with him. We've talked about that, and it's yeah. unfortunate because it's a really interesting subject, and maybe I'll maybe I'll just get over that and watch it anyway. I don't know. Just gonna shove your fingers in your ears when he's talking. He narrates it, so... Oh, kinda, fuck. Yeah, it's a documentary narrated by him, so I kind of have to, you know... I will see. I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it, because it is real. Like, we've talked about this a bunch, and I'll, I'm sure I'll bring it up again. Mm. Star Trek is one of those things like Disney, where there is a there is a corporate image, there is a line that you have to walk. There's yeah. a line you have to toe. Like, this is this is what the Star Trek vision is. Everyone go out there and repeat these words. And it's like... If you watch all the the behind the scenes stuff on all the DVDs of all the series, it's all exactly the same. It's mm-hmm. all everyone saying clearly what they were told to say. Yep. And it's like there must have been some conflict. And it's not that I want everyone to hate each other or anything like that, but I just want to hear their honest opinions. Yeah. That's why and, those uh those uh boldly go books. Yeah, those are those are way too comprehensive, but there is some really good interesting yeah. stuff in there. Because People, the cracks are finally showing, and people mm-hmm. are finally saying, "You know what? Gene did a lot of good, but he was also kind of an asshole mm-hmm. and a slob." Yeah, <laughs> that I always go back to uh, that uh, that con we went, or yeah, it was a comic con. The, oh yeah, where the, Frakes and Spiner were talking about Gene's visionary vision of a vision. Yeah, the first time, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, "Thank you." But see, the, the, our eyes open there because. For so long, they said that. Yeah. And now they're finally, it's okay to them for them to, to make fun of it. Well, yeah. Because the Paramount machine isn't forcing them to, to, you know, tow the company line anymore. Yeah, they don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, now they can just say, hey, here's how it was. We love each other. Mm-hmm. We really did have fun. That's not a lie. 
But some stuff behind the scenes was kind of fucked up. Yeah. And that's that's what I want to hear. I want to hear what really happened, not, not what they were told to say. Uh, yeah. Propaganda. Paramount NASA. Yeah. Propaganda. Yep. <laughs> Wasn't he the dad on Webster? Uh, no. The answer is no, Matt. <laughs> Uh, next one comes from Ben, and he says, I've been listening to your podcast for about a year now, and I have to say that it's my favorite podcast. I, I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching about two episodes a day trying to catch up with you guys because I really want to be current to be able to comment in real time. Specifically, and this is the well actually guy in me, whenever you guys say No J Industries, I really <laughs> just want to correct you because it's the No J Consortium. Emphasis mine. He didn't put any exclamation <laughs> points or anything. That's all I wanted to say. Keep up the Was good it really? guys. I hope I hope you get caught up. I hope I get caught up before you get through DS9. Yeah, I, that's that's all because Vandalay Industries. Oh, of course. <laughs> that's why I say it that way. <laughs> also, now that I know that it bugs you, Ben, I'm going to say it that way. Forever. Yeah, that that shit's not stopping. I'm sorry. That's like we love our listeners. We we want you to be happy, but on the other hand, if you tell us some nitpicky thing that bugs you, we're probably just gonna yeah, keep doing that. we're jerks like that. Yeah. Uh, next one comes from Brewtown Andy. Yeah. And he says, uh, you'll have to forgive me as I'm only on episode 218. Uh, well, you were forgiven, Andy. Uh, but this suddenly occurred to me. What are sections 1 through 30? <laughs> Yours in scary-ass black ops, Brewtown Andy. I I don't know. Probably the same as areas 1 through 50. Yeah. Not not as intimidating as you'd, as you'd expect. Yeah. I noticed as I watched Into Darkness, they mentioned uh, uh, section 31. They do, yes. And the, uh, the the building in London that gets bombed is apparently their headquarters. And I just remembered Sloan saying they didn't have headquarters. Yeah, well, that's why it exploded. No, except that's a different timeline. Is it? Yes. Khan blew it up, and Khan wasn't unfrozen yet in the other timeline. Did they? Yes. Would thou? Art, art thou? Art Vandalay Industries. <laughs> no J Industries. Which is definitely what it's called. Yep. Um, oh, this is someone writing about details to the live show, which we will give you presently at the end of the show. Yes. Probably in another two hours. Uh, oh, God. I'm, I'm kidding. We still have a few, but we'll be all right. All right. Uh, this one comes from Brian. Not, not that Brian, the other Brian. Uh, I've been meaning to write in for weeks, just never seem to find the time. Here we are at the end of season seven, and what an end it is. I just wanted to comment on how surprised I was at your reaction to Esri. For some reason, I assumed you guys would instantly dislike her, mostly just because she wasn't Jadzia. Nah. I have to say, I always really liked Nicole DeBoer's take on the character and thought it was a nice change of pace. Yes, they seemed to focus on her a little too much in a few episodes, but they only had a limited amount of time to fill uh, in any info on her character. I also had to comment on this season's Mirror Universe episode. I've been a big proponent of them through the series. I always thought it was fun to twist on the same old characters, but even I had to agree that this season they stretched it a little too far. Uh, I took to the end of the series, but I'm finally on your side of this debate. I didn't realize it was a debate. <laughs> anyway, onward and upward to Voyager. Looking forward to your opinions on it. Strangely, Voyager was the show I saw most of when it air originally aired, at least the first four seasons or so. I can't really, really remember much other than the pilot. Although I raced through DS9 when you guys started. Couldn't wait to see what happened. I'm going to try and follow along with you this time to get the reactions in real time. Wish I could be there for the live show. Sounds like it will be a good time, but congratulations on the five-year anniversary. The next Thanks. few years should be lots of fun, smiley face. I think that was sarcastic. Lots of something, anyway. It, it's going to be fun. Come on. Yes. We get, to, we get to meet up once a week and watch Star Trek and make jokes. It's true. That's, that's fun, right? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay, good. 
Because it's fun for me. It's still fun for you, right? Just check it. <laughs> don't, don't make me have to convince you here. Yes. Yes, okay, damn it. All right. Prove it. Prove your love for me, Matt. <clears throat> oh, goddamn. And this show. And dear, the listeners. Dear Al, I am writing you this letter in reference to my love of doing this show. Oh, you did it wrong. Furthermore, and also... You didn't ask how I am and tell me that you were fine. Oh, shit, that's right. You, that's nor, not nor, did I, nor, nor did I tell you what I was going to talk about, talk about it, and then tell you what I talked about. Damn it. This is a poor letter and a poor essay. Yep. Poor Matt. <laughs> Next one comes from Deke, and he says, Dear Sarcastic This features. better be about Ghostbusters. <laughs> how are you? I am fine. See, Deke knows what he's doing. <laughs> Anyway, it appears you two have made it through yet another star Trek Star series. It's true. I'll tell you how proud I am of both of you for this accomplishment. It just goes to show you that if you set a goal of watching a lot of television, you can accomplish that goal by watching a lot of television. <laughs> See, we're the real heroes. I don't, I don't know that two hours a week is a lot of television. I mean, you know, over the course of the five years we've been recording this show. That's true. Uh, good work, men, and sometimes guest star ladies. Of my friends, I can only say this. Of all the comedic Star Trek review podcasts I've encountered in my travels, yours is the most human. Aw. Yours in Q, Deke. We appreciate that. Now tell all the other Star Trek podcasts. I, I'm just not even aware. Tell them all. I Are they aware? Then they are can they, stop. Are, are they? Do they exist? Then they, they, can, exist? they can realize that it's taking care, Star Trek podcasting is taken care of. Yeah, we got this, guys. Yeah. It's fine. I <laughs> just, I'm completely unaware. Like, I know they exist, mm-hmm. but it's like, huh. That's that's a thing, huh? Yeah. Feel free to there's... tackle C-Lab. Or C-Quest, I should say. Or C-Lab, yes. whatever. C-Quest DSV, I think you'll find. Uh-huh. Deep Space 5? <laughs> Was that the plan? I don't know. Deep C5? Maybe Babylon V? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, this one comes from Mike X. The world is ending. Or maybe just Pa. Or maybe just DS9. Hey, Matt and Al, congratulations on ending your run on DS9 and reaching whatever number of episodes I can't bother to look up right now. We're at 259? <laughs> you guys are the best part of every Monday morning's drive to work, and I'm glad you're still having fun doing this. Well, thank I, that, you. That remains one of the, the my favorite compliments. Right? Like, that you make my Monday, like, thank you, you know, that kind of thing. Like, uh, Thank you for oh. being a friend. Yeah. Travel down that road and back again. Hard is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Or as the Brothers Chaps apparently thought it was, you're a pal and I'm confident. <laughs> and if they throw a party... All right. Uh, See, which, it which, works, kind which, of. Which, which golden girl are you? Probably Betty White. You think? She was kind of stupid on that show. Yeah. There's there's the stupid one. Mm-hmm. There's the sexy one. Yeah. There's the mean old lady. Uh-huh. And then there's uh, B. Arthur. Hmm. Well, clearly you're B. Arthur. Obviously. I mean, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Mostly those four years I played Maud. And your appearance in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Hmm. Excuse me. The Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, God. I realize as summer starts drawing to a close that we will be doing our annual crossover with Drunken Time Travel this year, and I'm mercifully happy that that is never going to happen again. Yeah, like, we really can't. We can't do it again. No, it's up to them to pick the thing this time because we, well, you, but we mm-hmm. picked last time. So it's their turn. And I'm confident there's nothing they can pick. But are you a confidant? I am. <laughs> Mike continues. That said, 
I realize that you're inter- entering uncertain times, even though one of you is keeping us something something. Wasn't there a song? <clears throat> I just wanted to encourage you both that even though Voyager may not be packed with good things, your, your collective best when the episodes are, shall we say, make funnable. Ridiculable, <laughs> maybe. Full of things to poke at and nits to pick. While Pow is always fun to listen to, the most entertaining shows are the ones where you two get to marry the Trek and the comedy, and I think you're about to get that chance. Of course, I remember Voyager is kind of a fun show, but I'm the guy who really likes It's a Long Way Down to the Bottom of the Warp Core Time Loop episode of DNG, so what do I know? <laughs> so I say carry on in the tradition of Joel and Tom and Crow and Mike and other Crow, and just have fun poking at Voyager with the funny stick. We'll all enjoy it. Later, guys. Mike. Can I say how awesome it is to get compared to the MST guys? Yeah, I, there's just no comparison. in any way. Don't compare yourself, man. It ain't healthy. Like, damn. No, it, it is it is great. Uh, that, and that, that is kind of what I've told myself is if it's that bad, yeah. at least we're just going to heckle it for a while. But yeah. I, you know, I've I'm said this before. Ho- I'm hoping I think, there's something good in there, you know? Like I, like I said, in the pilot, of the, I don't know, eight or ten characters we were introduced to, there was mm-hmm. one that really I didn't like. The rest were either average or good. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All right. Uh, Tom Paris, just just to let you, you don't know. like Tom Paris. Oh God, he's the worst, just the worst. Didn't even hate Neelix. Wow. Yeah, just Tom Paris. Wow. We'll we'll go into more. Why? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm ill-equipped one. to have this conversation. So. <laughs> uh, next one comes from Carrie, and Carrie says, "Funny story about Garrick. Well, mm-hmm. more specifically, Andrew Robinson." Anyway, this is my favorite story to tell people who have seen DS9, and it's probably my last chance to tell you guys. Now, you, we'll, we'll always talk about this. We'll just forget things. Yeah. But you're welcome to tell it's us. It's best to get us now while the show's still fresh in our minds. Yes. I was watching Dirty Harry, and as you've mentioned on the show, Andrew Robinson plays Scorpio, the villain of the movie. The funny Scorpio. Part is, I didn't recognize him until he puts on a ski mask. And I'm watching, <laughs> and I see his mouth, and especially his eyes, and I go, is that Garrick? <laughs> and I look up, and of course it is. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that I couldn't recognize him until he covered up his face. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love the show. I download a bunch of podcasts usually on Monday. It's the first one I listen to. Now the Voyager's starting and the suffering begins. I can only imagine the show will get a lot more fun to listen to. Well, that, that seems to be the prevailing opinion here. Yeah, I hope. Congrats on five years. Here's I hope we, got, we can make you guys proud. Three more? So long and thanks for all the podcasts. Uh, I think three. I have the list right here. Let me see. I, I can tell you, and I've mentioned this, I think, before, but I'll mm-hmm. certainly mention it again. When our very last episode is going to be, unless, unless something happens. Yeah. Like, unless we, we have to force a hiatus. But I mean, so God far, willing years, and the creek don't rise. We we have not missed a Monday no. in five years. Like, we take a week off at Christmas, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, June 23rd, 2018. Yeah. Will be Supplemental 36. Uh, sort of a postmortem on the Enterprise finale. Yeah. And I, have we talked about this on the show or not? Like, What's that? Pa will end. We will not stop review, reviewing television shows. Well, we'll we'll see. Like, we've talked about that, and I'm I'm all for that. We've talked about uh, uh, doing a Batman thing. Yeah. And we probably will, but I don't know. We'll see. After yeah. eight years of this, we may want to stop and say, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But you may say, uh, I've, uh. <laughs> you you get to this you get to this weird overworked is that the word <laughs> we're we're doing too much Are, is a thing you uh, where you don't want to work yeah i don't understand that concept but apparently it's a thing that play video games so. yeah I, video games <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean we're probably gonna do that but yeah unless there's a new star trek series yeah we're done in uh, in 2018. So, yeah. yeah, three more years. 
Uh, next one comes from Justin. Justin says, DS9's finale. Here it is, the end. An episode of television that got me through one of the most trying times of my life, and I'm sure many others. You see, this episode aired on June 2nd, 1999. Only 14 days had passed since a global tragedy, and DS9 soothed a saddened sci-fi geek's heart. Really took the sting out of what the Phantom Menace had done to us just two weeks prior. <laughs> the end of TNG felt like the last day of school for the summer, knowing they were going to go off and do movies. The end of DS9 feels like the last day of senior year, knowing full well you're not going to see most of these people ever again. Mm-hmm. So I guess the mean Voyager compares to after you've lost your family because of your gambling and Fabergé egg collection bankrupts you and your wife leaves you and your children won't speak to you, so you end up back in your room at your parents' house that you turned into a boudoir. <laughs> Here's something that will make Voyager great. Go to YouTube and watch the first Captain Janeway. Her name is Genevieve Bujold. I'm sure Matt can pronounce it. Yeah, Matt Bourgeois. is great at French. Yeah. Uh, this old woman mumbles and whispers her way through a couple of scenes before she retreated to her trailer and quit. My friend once said her scenes reminded him of a bunch of guys acting in a fan film, and they didn't know any girls, so they got their grandma to play the captain. <laughs> we will definitely have to watch that and, and comment on it as part of our thing. Oh, definitely. But, uh, yeah, that, that will definitely be part of our discussion. Of the um, of the pilot. Yes. Sorry, I just noticed you were twittering. Like, hey, pay attention. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> of course, I'm looking at Twitter as well. <laughs> My wife uh, is out in the living room wanting to come back in. I'm like, you can come in. Yeah, it's fine. If you make a lot of noise, I'll edit it out. It's yeah. not a big deal. Uh, next one comes from Dan. Hi guys, catching up as quickly as I can. I think Chloe is the hot one. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what that means. Okay. Probably in response to something we said. Uh, tell me that doesn't go through your heads whenever there's a Cardassian plotline. No? Oh, the Cardassian. Yeah. Oh. I I seriously never make that connection. I barely know anything about that, and Al knows less than I do. So. Yeah, I deliberately ignorant. Sorry, like, we're not the, we're not the audience for keeping up with the Cardassian jokes. Yeah, don't, don't know it. Uh, more seriously, you made the argument that they could have fixed the Cardassian kid by surgically altering him to look Bajoran. Mm-hmm. I was surprised you went in that direction. Considering the problems faced by the alternately sexed today, looking like everyone else doesn't help make people feel as if they belong. Adjusting the Cardassian kid's appearance would do nothing to assuage his internal knowledge that he was really Bajoran. Of course, uh, if the kid thought that procedure would fix things, it would probably be a good idea. That's true, actually. I... That is a fair point. Yeah, we didn't think of that at the time. No, here, here's the thing and i think i can speak for you but if if i'm wrong by all means tell me we you and i Mm -hmm. through our mutual acquaintance with with someone who is trans Mm -hmm. have broadened our horizons and become more aware of the issue and hopefully become more enlightened on the issue as time has gone on yeah i don't think we were particularly transphobic Prior to this. Not that I am aware of. Probably although I, although were, I can pretty much guarantee that I was an asshole in high school. Like yeah, undoubtedly people. I was as well. And we probably said some things on this show as yeah. well that were inadvertently that way. Yeah. Like if you if you sat us down and said, do you have a problem with any of this? Neither, we both would have said, no, absolutely not. But it, it's it's privilege and it's, it's ignorance mm. and it may still be happening, but it's something we're more aware of. It's something yeah. we've tried to address and it's something we've tried to be more conscious yeah. of. And if we recorded that episode today, we might not say that. Like, our attitudes have changed as the show's gone on. Absolutely. But that said, that is this, this is an excellent point. It, it absolutely is. Yeah, of course, I don't remember that episode to make any further right. points, but there you go. Uh, next one comes from Lauren. Uh, this is something we've already posted on our Tumblr, and I will link to it again in the show notes because it's fantastic. 
Hi, Alan Matt. When I heard the recent Paw episode where Matt compared Gold Ducat and Kira to Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, I just had to draw that scenario. Oh, God. I know I could have posted it to Tumblr or Twitter or wherever, but I thought I'd simply attach it to this email and you fine gentlemen can decide whether or not it's post-worthy. Of course it's post-worthy. It's amazing. This is wonder. This is, this made it into my, um, I have a rotation of wallpapers. This is, in, this made it in. Yeah, it is so great. Yeah. Lauren, this is, this is amazing. Absolutely. The, and again, we will link to it. It is worth seeing. I put it on our Facebook page. I put mm-hmm. it on our Twitter, on our, on our Tumblr. It's, it's so great. And when you guys, do art for us without us paying or even asking. Yeah. And when you write in really thoughtful and interesting questions and then you say, Oh, you can, you can throw this away if you want. Like, come on guys. No, no, it's not. We there love is... you and we love that you do this. Yeah. There are few things in the world more wonderful than someone taking your stupid joke and making it into a gorgeous piece of art. Yeah. Visually representing something that was supposed to just be a throwaway. Yeah. Like, oh, I hope nobody realizes how stupid that was. And then they make it brilliant. <laughs> Uh, This one comes from Mark. I'm just listening to your review of the DS9 finale at the moment. My favorite moment was the farewell between Garrick and Bashir. I was glad they included it, showing that at least the characters, you still cared about each other, even though a minute or two doesn't make up for the neglect of their relationship in later seasons. Mm -hmm. You misheard or misspoke when you mentioned the number of casualties Bashir talked about. It was 800 million dead, not 8 million. Oh! Okay. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. The extermination of the Cardassians was well underway by the time it was stopped. Mm. I'm still frustrated by season seven and thought it was generally weak. I love the Damar, Kira, and Garrick plot on Cardassia, though. And I think Dogs of War was my favorite episode of the season. I enjoyed reviews of DS9 so much. Thanks for your dedication, your insightful, interesting co- commentary, for creating the best Trek podcast I've listened to. I plan to continue listening as you head into Voyager, even though I haven't watched many episodes of the show. Neither have we. Yeah. But thank you. And, we can and I, we can share this experience. Yes. This beautiful uh, experience. See. Another Cough. one from David. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks again for all your hard work. Without your podcast, I never would have made it through TNG season one and would have made it to DS9. Great job. Worth every penny. Uh, I hugely enjoyed the DS9 10-hour story arc. Looking forward to every ep. While understanding the end was getting close, this brings me to my problem. Too many new characters eating into vital screen time, while characters like Garrick, Quark, and O'Brien seem almost forgotten about. Yep. I mean, we have a passion for Garrick and would like to see more of him, but one of the best characters... Uh, the charming and affable O'Brien should have had his own arc and not become a hanger-on with that English twonk. <laughs> hey, you're talking, you're talking about the twonk I love. Um, uh, once again, a plucky Irishman suffers oppression under English rule. It's like the, <laughs> it's like the potato famine all over again. <laughs> this may be one of our fans from Ireland. Uh, y- you I, think? I'm not positive, but I, I think it may be. Golly. Uh, that said, the writers did a wonderful job considering the task at hand. Looking forward to Voyager as the lessons learned on DS9 must have been shared with the Voyager team, right? Thanks again, guys. David. P.S. Do you do t-shirts? Currently, no. We're working on it. It's, yeah. it's painful and terrible. Okay, I'm going to save this one for last because this one is a bit uh, controversial. All right. Uh, let's Please see. tell me it's not someone yelling at us. Uh, no, it's not someone yelling at us, but it's someone making a, making a point that is very against everything we we believe, but it is very well made. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll, I, I think it would work best last. We've right. we got a couple short ones here, and then we'll get right. to that. Uh, Lauren says, hello, gentlemen. Uh, a good friend of mine was lucky enough to attend the official Star Trek con in Vegas last weekend, and she said one of the highlights was the Star Trek Rat Pack, which included Armin Shimmerman, Casey Biggs, and a few other cast members. They sang a song about waiting in line, another song about Cisco's story arc, and get this, a Borg named Hugh, a parody of the Johnny Cash song. <laughs> it appears the spirit of Vic Fontaine lives on after all. Oh, thank goodness. 
Best Bill. Uh, I mean, Lauren. I will never get sick of Best Bill. No. I I have heard much about the musical talents of Star Trek actors, and it oh, really yeah. makes me want to go to a... It really makes me want to check out a con. Or, more accurately, it really makes me want to go to a bar, buy a con, after the con. And hoping that some of those guys are there doing yes. karaoke? Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Deke. Oh, good. We haven't heard from Deke in, what, 30 seconds? Still not talking about Ghostbusters. I always what? took Admiral Ross's God reference as a result of the war. I'm not trying to offend any atheist sensibilities here, nor am I going to pass the collection plate to you guys at the end of this email, but hear me out. In real war, there are a lot of stories about men who get through the trenches with faith. There are a lot of guys who went into the battlefield not feeling strongly one way or the other, who left it on a strong belief in supreme being. Perhaps in the context of the story, Admiral Ross, who has spent years sending men to their deaths, seeing friends die, da 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 um, Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. We mostly just thought it was funny to... Uh... Think of Admiral Ross as the religious guy. Yeah, I mean... Especially in a world where no one, no human is religious anymore. No, and the show takes pains to never talk about it. Yeah. So, I know you're making a serious point, Deke. I like it better when you fuck with Matt. Um, But no, Admiral Ross, super into Jesus. Like, wow. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Cisco does not like being left alone with him anymore. No. It's just too much. (laughs) Listen, Ben, have you heard the good news? Oh, God. You're not going to yeah. trick me again. You know I'm. You know. You know I'm Jesus too. Like, million, yeah, you know I like got the, billions the, the, I'm of a, Bajorans, right? Bit of bit of conflict of interest here, uh, Bill. <laughs> uh, next one comes from. I hope I'm saying this right. Uli or possibly Yuli. I'm not sure. Apologies uh, if not. Hi, Algar Matt, and a sort of guest. If you're wondering about Cardassian eagles, it might help that German eagles are hedgehogs, spelled I G E L, but pronounced the same. Eagle. And Canar is definitely made from canaries. There's no po- other possibility. It's in the name. Keep rocking, and I'm looking forward to hear you tell me all about Voyager next. Got me there. You seem flustered. You seem flummoxed. It's <laughs> a good point. Is it? Yeah. All right. Canary. Like, it's right there. Yeah. For all everyone. Right. I mean, I, I might put forward the thought that maybe... Cardassian language might not be in any way related to English. But. No, that doesn't seem right to me. Fair enough. And also, like, the uh, the hedgehog eagle thing. Oh, no, that's that was great. Yeah. That was absolutely great. It just reminds me, it's Raymond Luxury Yacht, but it's pronounced Throat Wobbler, Throat Wobbler Mangrove. Mangrove. Right. Uh, this one comes from Rod Tanzel. Uh, dear Matt Nell, for the last several years, I've spoken of DS9 with such admiration and nostalgia that I much ask, must ask this question: How did the series hold up to your scrutiny? It is as good as you remember. Do you enjoy? Did you enjoy yourself, or did it feel as if your rewatch was a chore? Eh, somewhere in between, yeah. I think. I, I we talked about this earlier. It's yeah. not as good as we remember, but it's still quite it's cool. still yeah. Like I said, still my favorite. Likewise, I want to know about Voyager. My personal experience, Voyager was the sixth Star Trek series I watched in a months-long consumption of the franchise. Left a bitter taste in my mouth, but I was desperate for more Star Trek, particularly discussion about the show as a show. Your podcast is exactly what I wanted. You're sincere without being horribly obsessed. You're funny without being cruel or pathetic. Uh, since I started listening, the post stomach horror has become an integral part of my entertainment. This podcast has helped me keep my commute sane. More importantly, though, has fostered some strong friendships and even a short-lived but unbelievably nerdy romance. Aww. What? What, really? Wow. That's cool. That is very cool. 
So back to Voyager, because Voyager led me to this podcast. I'm very interested in understanding your experience. What stands out in your memory about Voyager? Why do you feel the way you do about it? I don't know exactly how to describe my dislike for the show, but it has something to do with lizard babies, mystical mumbo jumbo, a lack of consequences, and annoying characters. Maybe I'm unfairly comparing it to DS9, but it just feels disappointing considering what Star Trek had proven it could do. Hope the next few years are enjoyable for you and your listeners. Well, I, I hope so, too. I, I think we should save that for after we've watched it a bit. Yeah. But, um... I know my trepidation on going into Voyager is based on the few episodes I've seen being very boring. Yeah, that that's and my fear. A is dis- not- and a dislike of most of the cast. Um, That's not it for me. It's more a dislike of most of the writing staff. Mm. Specifically, Brandon Braga, Jerry Taylor, and uh, Joe Minoski, who wrote uh, episodes like Beverly Fox a Ghost, Masks, uh, and others. And and the rest. And several others that are, like, I don't want to misattribute yeah. to people. No, you know what Brent Brog has done. We talk about it every time he says anything. <laughs> or we did. Yeah, we and we will again. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> he was not involved in the pilot, though. He was on vacation, and they had to write it without him. Oh. Taking so. a cue from Worf. <laughs> Next one comes from Chaturka Smith. Hope I'm saying that right. It's a Klingon name. All right. I think. Uh, Alan Matt, real quick observation. The series ended with someone looking out a window. Fist bump to Nate for calling it. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that, but that's great. I'm that on sounds my second, about right, yeah. I'm on my second listen through and just got to Nate's far-seeing summary of the Odo Falls in Love with Johnny Mnemonic episode. <laughs> tell you the weird tale of how I discover your podcast, but I tend to be verbose and self-critical, so that may look like an essay. I don't have time for an essay. Wanted to get this in under the wire for the DS9 final supplemental. Fun game. Changelings versus simple pipe fittings. Who would win? Simple pipe fittings? That's what it says. Pipe fittings. Pipe fittings. So like those things that where you like make a pipe bend, I guess. Oh, see, all I know about pipes is pipe dream. Mm. I mean, you know, water goes through them. I Well, I guess there's that. I, I have no proof of that. Uh, I mean, you've played Mario, right? Yeah. Plumbers go through pipes. So right. Water does not. I mean, the original Mario Brothers, just plain Mario Brothers, not the Super. Oh, yeah, no. Then crabs go through pipes. Yeah, that's, that's Again, true. plumbers do not. And fireflies and, and uh, yeah, turtles. Right. Um, I mean, I, hmm. I'm going to say changelings? Yeah, but probably. It feels, like it, it feels so obvious it must be a trick question. Yeah, no, this feels like a trick. Like, it's like one of those QI questions. Mm-hmm. Is like, it the blue whale? No. <laughs> Now, great. Now I got to dig out the klaxons for that. <laughs> Actually, real quick, going back to the to the Canar thing. This was a real QI question. Okay. Uh, what what animal were the Canary Islands named after? Oh. Do you know? I do not. No, you you, you think you know, but you know it's wrong because you know how QI works. No, I assume that the Canary Islands were named after someone whose last name was Canary, because you don't name islands after animals that live on them. You name them after people who discovered them. Nope, not true. Really. Huh. What are they named uh, after? Named after dogs, apparently. Oh. Because, like, the, the Latin canis uh-huh. is, like, related to canary, apparently. Mm. So, yeah. I assume this was an Earl of Sandwich type thing. That uh, could be. Could be that. Mm. Like the Sandwich Islands? Yes. Or the Earl Islands? The Earls. You fix me an Earl, Baldric. Baldric. Uh, next one comes from Jason, and he says, Dearest Pa, I think it should be mentioned female changeling as part of the surrender can't return to the changeling homeworld. Also, it was Odo returning to the Changeling world that ended the war. Uh, well, okay. We yep. probably left that out because we do that. Mm-hmm. 
Please do not turn to this show for a for a detailed summary of every episode. We no. try our best, but we probably <laughs> miss some stuff. Feel free to pick up, you know, an episode guide that we didn't write and isn't yeah. full of lies. Or and you know, the occasional episode that is not even about the episode. Or www.memory-alpha.org. Yes, they'll help you too. Yes, uh, Armus told me to tell you. Hey guys, I I not talking. Uh, hey Armus, he knows why. Yeah. P.S. Where did Ducat's kids go? I, I think that's very clear. They went to the amusement center. Well, obviously, they went to the amusement center. Or they could have been one of those 800 million Cardassians killed. <laughs> nope. They went nope. to the amusement center. Oh. They may, have di- they may have died there. In fact, that probably would have been the most fitting death for them. But uh, I mean, I think I think if I were female changeling and I were picking targets, mm-hmm. I'd say start with the amusement centers. <laughs> because that's the kind of irony that Cardassians would appreciate. I'm going to miss the amusement centers. Uh, I'm not sure that I am. We never got to see one. No, that's true. That if just we, means that they're so fantastic in my brain. If if we ever get that 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 call we're waiting for to write a uh, an expanded universe novel, mm-hmm. it's coming. It will, it will be set. <laughs> it'll be it'll be either the the Rom and uh, uh, Vic spinoff, or it'll be set in a Cardassian amusement center. I suppose they're not mutually exclusive. Yep. Okay. Final question. Yes. This one comes from Seth. This is quite good. All right. And you're going to find this as sort of a slap at the slap in the face and at the same time sort of a fascinating, like, hey, yeah. All right, let's do it. Um, what do you think future Starfleet historians write about Benjamin Sisko and his time as cap- commander of DS9? On the good side, he did discover the wormhole. However, that discovery soon starts the process of Sisko leading numerous missions to the Gamma Quadrant, where he starts poking the bear that is the Dominion. Not satisfied with that, he decides to mine the interest in the wormhole, which is the final provocation that starts the Dominion War. During the course of the war, he loses DS9 to Dominion forces. His plan to take it back is saved not by his own skill as a commander, but instead because he begged his prophets to save him and wipe out the Jem'Hadar forces he couldn't stop. Of course, this reprieve is only temporary because Starfleet continues to lose the war, so this time Sisko decides to partner with a known member of the Obsidian Order, spy and traitor to assassinate a Romulan senator, blames it on the Dominion, and get the Romulans to enter the war with the Federation. How do you think the Romulans will feel when that truth finally gets out? Uh, but that, of course, still isn't enough. So after losing his ship to the Breen, he instead leads the charge into a final battle where the Federation, Klingons, and Romulans are about to lose until they are saved not by Sisko's brilliant strategy or tactical still, but instead by the Cardassians switching sides at the last moment. In short, Benjamin Lafayette Sisko seemed to blow every major decision, but in the end, groveling to his wormhole gods, lying in assassination, or simple stupid luck seemed to save him from his colossal screw-ups. His actions resulted in the deaths of millions upon millions of lives, thousands of lost ships, and caused untold strife and grief across two quadrants. DS9 may be the best Star Trek series, but Cisco may be the worst captain in its history. Thoughts? Wow. You see? That's that's but see, really interesting. But see, this is how you do that. You yeah. don't say, here's why you guys are wrong. What you do is you make a case. Uh-huh. You say, here's my argument. Now, what do you think? Yeah, no, that's that's... Really interesting. It's a pretty solid argument, I gotta it say. Absolutely is. In 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 the moment, mm-hmm. in the individual decisions, it all seems right. It all mm. seems like he's doing the right thing. Big picture wise, though, maybe not. Yeah. Wow. And I, I wouldn't even dispute that. Like he makes no, the case you're here, right. and all of those things are right. Yeah, they absolutely are. On the other hand, I still think he's a more compelling character. Oh, definitely. Even if he's terrible at his job, which is debatable, I don't have enough information and, and like... I like, I would I, not say that. I think that, you know, the show has shown us numerous times that he's, you know, 
a pretty no, good uh, uh, strategist. This is, this is a solid argument uh, to the contrary, mm-hmm. but I, I forget everything, and I would have to look over an episode list at least, if not some serious like lists of synopses to, to really make a counter-argument. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a counter-argument to be made. Yeah. But I think even if he's a terrible captain, if he's if he's just everything he does is just awful, he's still maybe maybe the most compelling character Star Trek has ever given us just as a guy. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. As a as a as a guy who goes through some really important fundamental changes, goes through some some serious stuff, mm-hmm. has some really interesting like relationships, uh, just in every aspect. Like we talked about Picard being the the, you know, the most interesting character on TNG, but I think Cisco was more interesting than Picard. Yeah, absolutely. Again, whether he's a better captain, I don't know. Better captain, maybe not. My favorite captain? Yes. Yeah, but that's because you like him as a person. I do like him as a person. But I mean, let's let's suppose, mm. putting the most rose-colored glasses we can find on, Yes, that we like Voyager. Just, okay. just imagine. Just imagine a world. Like, right now the world is full of possibilities. Man. Uh-huh. We don't hate it yet. All right. It's still ahead of us. We could still like it. It's Anything's possible. Yes. Janeway still mm-hmm. lost a ship. She did. So even if we love that ship and its crew and its captain, she still fucked up pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean? Like that, although that still... rose-colored glasses, she did get it. She did get it back. True. Fair point. I did. You know. Yeah. Uh, on the bright side, God, this just occurred to me: Kirk, Picard, and Cisco all blew up their ships. That's Janeway true. got hers home. That is a fair point. That, oh, God, it's like dog well. shit in my mouth. <laughs> oh. Yeah, let's be very clear. I've been making, you know, making it a point to say I will very try my very best to keep an open mind. Matt is not making that claim. No. <laughs> Matt's mind is already made up. And uh, so you Voyager fans, please don't yell at me because I'm all you got. Yeah. Although I did just defend her, so. Well, we pro- were talking. Possibly the first time in my life. Well. Much like that that last email about, you know, making a point of Cisco being bad. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when you start doing that thought experiment. You know, yeah, I don't. Ugh. Yep. What a world. <laughs> what a world. What a world. <laughs> so that's it. That's all the mail. That's uh, we're hitting the two hour mark. So it's time yeah. for us to stop doing this. My head is very sweaty. Yes. Um. But thank you, as ever. We do appreciate your Yeah, thank you so support. much for all of the, the comments, you know, like... The comments, the art, the song. Everything, just... Everything. Uh, we've been doing this for five years, and it's really interesting because this thing has just slowly, gradually picked up a listenership. Like, yeah. I don't know what the numbers are, but I know they're getting a little more... Like, we hear from more people every time. Mm-hmm. And it continues to be really cool to get mail from people that I personally do not know. Oh, the bulk of this, mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, we heard from Deke and yeah. we heard from Bob and a couple other people have write, written in before, but I, I would say at least half of these were people we've never heard from. Absolutely. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And I love when people say this is make some, this makes my Monday. This is what I look forward to. That sort of thing. Like that, that's, that's great guys. Yeah. And I hope the show is going to change. The show is like, we're going into a new series. I mean, it always changes when we get into a new series. Yeah. 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 But I hope, you stick with us. Yes. I hope you still find it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I hope you find it entertaining as you ever have. And I've always thought that what makes this show good for people 
is the mix of of us being passionate fans, but also making fun of it. Mm-hmm. And I hope potentially losing one aspect of that doesn't make the show less enjoyable. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Uh, so for the last time, plugging the live show next week, mm-hmm. uh, August twenty second at the Pocket Theater in Seattle. The screening of the episode starts at 3. The recording of the episode starts at 4.30. We would love to see you there. Yes, we would. It is free. Uh, we ask that you donate a little to the to the venue or buy a beer buy a or drink. something. But, the, yeah. yeah. But there's I no... Pl- I plan to buy several. Yeah. We should totally support The Pocket, which is doing fantastic things for local comedy here in mm-hmm. Seattle. Yeah. Um, And then we will celebrate our five-year anniversary because, you know... Five years. Five years and counting. Five, five of eight. Yeah. Like we are show us I, another Trek podcast that did that. I there may be some I don't know. Bring it on. But I do know that um we are sixty percent done with all mm-hmm. of Star Trek. Yeah. So we've done the majority of Star Trek already. We've done more than half. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> the, something. The majority. You Major. No. You're gonna miss that, aren't you? I am gonna miss it so much. I'm gonna miss that like I miss doing a Sulu impression regularly. Oh, that pops up from time. And I really do miss doing the Sulu impression regularly. Yeah, yeah. Well, we gotta. It's it's time for us to go. But you could you could pull it out of mothballs one last time if you. All like. right. See you, folks. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go and trip balls. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.